welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Moralia Python Radio. Uh, tonight, we're doing a recap of Southern Carpet Fest, and then we're going to hit on some other various topics. Cause it's just me and Owen tonight. And I feel that I have to put this out there, Owen, because sometimes it catches us yep. right before it goes live. And yes. I just said that I never gave a shit about the ocean. <laughs> so I don't want anybody. I want to. I want to explain. No, that I don't statement. want you to. No, I don't want. I don't want you to. I want to leave it just as it is. Fuck the ocean. So you know that's. I mean, oh. it, it, we were talking about uh, the Blue Planet um, uh, documentary. Yes. And uh, watching that, so. Um, Yes. Yes. We didn't give a shit up until we saw the uh, documentary. Yes. So in yeah. an altered state of mind. An altered will, state. Bro. It was <laughs> trippy. Um, <laughs> it was. Um, it was. It was fun. I, so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you never understand, like you know what's going on, and then you're watching this, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Oh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's amazing. Yeah, so there you go. Oh, Evan's gonna go nuts because he said, "Oh, come on, Evan, Shh. tell him to be quiet." What? What's the matter? What <laughs> is happening? I said southern and not southeast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Semantic. You're come all on. the same to us. Come on. It's OG um, Carpet Fest, and then the rest of you. So yeah. you know. <laughs> No Shut doubt. up. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about the Southeast Carpet Fest. It just happened this past there. weekend, and um, yep, it is going to click on in a second, and uh, we're going to talk about it. And I think at some point Dave's going to click in. Um, we uh, we didn't get to go, but uh, it looked like a good time no. and a good turnout. And the auction. Uh, I don't know what their end total was. Uh, I wasn't really paying attention. I've deleted Facebook from my phone. Dude, it's the most liberating thing. I just deleted (laughs) it right off. I couldn't understand why the battery is now. Yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't understand for the life of me. Like, why is my phone? Like, my battery would literally be dead. I'd have to charge it like three times in a day. And I know that's probably, you know, I'm using it a lot or whatever. But it's just like. Now nah, I'm I'm deleting this and I deleted it out, dude. It's the best thing ever. Oh you my god, it's so great. You don't get push notifications for all the crap that gets going on, so you can check it maybe once or twice a day and get yeah. all that information. It frees up a ton of space on your phone, and yeah, it, it, you know, I, of course I did that. Yeah, yeah. I left the messenger on just because you know sometimes that goes you know whatever. But as far as the that actual Facebook, yeah, out. Yep. So. Good. Anyway, uh, yeah. but I hear that um, they got close to 10,000, but we're going to have to get an exact number, but that is phenomenal. So yeah, good for really them awesome. for getting that much. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were hustling, man. They got all kind of, all kind of crazy stuff that was auctioned. I'm going to, I'm going to nominate that we hire Ian to run the Northeast carpet fest auction. So we don't have to do it. So, <laughs> you know, I like yeah. that idea, and uh, I don't think he's going to have a choice. So right, yeah. <laughs> well, 
let's click them on and we'll do ours. So uh, real quick, uh, probably towards the end of the, like after we're done talking to these guys, we'll talk about some breeding mm-hmm. stuff. And I thought yeah. for some of the new listeners that uh, are coming in, as we talk about, we've talked about this a bunch of times, but setting up babies, our approach, your approach, my approach, you know, what we do, blah, blah, blah. And uh, just give sort of a recap on what's going on breeding wise. And I don't know, new pickups, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, let's get Ian cool. on. <laughs> hey, Ian, welcome back. Hey, guys, how's it going? Pretty good. How, How are, are you? Going right? you over... Are you, you covered yet? Have you? Yeah, you come back to Earth? I'm not even close. I'm still <laughs> okay, sorting <good>. through <laughs> auction items and shipping stuff out. And no, I need a carpet fest vacation though. Ours is until <laughs> June. You got plenty of yeah. time. Yeah, we make you do plenty. it again. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, no. You're <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it uh, it was definitely a labor of love, and I am exhausted after it. But it was it was a good time. We uh, we had a really good turnout, a lot of great people, and it was just a ton of fun. It, cool. it, it looks like you guys had a had a nice turnout. You guys had a, a lot of people that I wasn't expecting to be there. Mainly, uh, I, uh, Jason had mentioned to us that he was going to go, so you know that was cool. That saw him in the pictures. I'm like, oh, Balin's there. And so yeah, it. Uh, was definitely looked like it was a good time and uh, some cool animals uh, checking out uh, in the pictures. It looks like you guys had a massive food spread. It was nuts. So the last thing you want is a bunch of hungry reptile people. So we we had (laughs) lots and lots of food. Uh, We also had lots and lots of beverages. um, A lot of the adult kind of beverages. Um, I certainly, uh, I got to give a shout out to everybody who chipped in to help. We, um, you know, it, it takes a village as they say, and this undertaking was, was no different, quite frankly. Um, everybody chipped in and brought stuff, which, you know, is pretty much what everybody said they do at the other carpet fest. So I know I talked to, to you, Owen, and some of the other guys, mm-hmm. Terrell and Evan about how it was done. So everybody brought food and it was just, it was almost overwhelming um, in particular, I want to give a shout out for sure to, um, to John Decker and to, uh, uh, to the Lunds who, who really helped a lot with the food. Uh, Decker brought his swamp boil and, and we had a, a crew of people that chipped in on drinks. They went to Costco and they bought like one of every beverage that they had, I think. Um, so we, uh, and we had enough red cups. We could have had like 500 people and we would have had enough red solo cups. Thank you, Costco. Jeez, nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, uh, and those guys, that was, uh, Greg and, uh, Eric Fishman and Gustavo on, uh, on beverage patrol. They, they definitely took care of things for sure. Um, but Dave, Dave Palumbo was a great host and, uh, certainly want to thank his wife for putting up with us until well into the evening. Um, <laughs> Dave's got quite the collection. I'll tell you, he's, he's kind of hiding it over there in Cape Coral, but, uh, He's got quite the collection, and it's pretty diverse. It's not even just uh, all pythons and boas. He's got some some turtles and some skinks and some other things as well. Uh, right. So he uh, he definitely had a lot to look at. Um, it was just amazing. He just kept opening drawers, and um, you know the 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 room seemed like you know it just kept going. There was just tons and tons uh, of, of things to look at. So he had uh, a number of animals that were even locked up when we were there. So that was pretty cool. And 
he just kept pulling stuff out and handing it to people. And there's lots of pictures posted on the Southeast Carfish Fest uh, Facebook page. So I moved a bunch more over there tonight just before the show. So if you want to check them out, there's a lot of pictures of not only the people, but a lot of the animals too. Yeah, I saw it. Awesome. Uh, we have Dave on the line. I'm clicking him on too, so he can join us in. Hey, Dave. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, are you all recovered? Not much. <laughs> yeah, you, like, how you guys doing? Are you all back to where you're supposed to be, or are you still kind of – have you found any bodies left? I mean, what's going on? I'll tell you one thing about Ian. He's so neurotically organized that the only <laughs> – the only, <laughs> The only I was so worried because I hadn't heard anything, and it was like the morning of the, of the event, and I'm like, Ian, is everything alright? He's like, Don't worry, we got everything taken care of. I didn't do anything. All I did was open my open the door for him, and and literally, I mean, he just these people just walked in with caravans full of stuff, set it up, did everything, and then you know, at night, I think everyone was there till like almost ten o'clock, and I was putting my son to sleep, and I and I'm like, I just couldn't get out there before they left. I went over there after everyone had Ian's like, oh, we just left, and. I went upstairs, and, and you would never have known that anyone was even there. There's <laughs> one beer bottle was left on my backyard lawn. That's the only only evidence that of anything, wow. or anything took place. And there was a lot. Believe me, there was a lot of people there. There was a lot of food there. You would have thought there would be more, but no. Telling that's how immaculate they 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 set up and that, cleaned up there. That is I can't not believe we left the beer bottle, the Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, man. That how about that beer how bottle? We, yeah, that that is not how we celebrate in the Northeast. <laughs> no, no, there are bodies <laughs> everywhere the next morning. We oh don't stop God. until 10 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> there might yeah. have been bodies in the backyard, but the alligator might have got them back there. So <laughs> Oh, Florida. It cleans up after itself. So, you know, it's, <laughs> but, uh, Dave, did you, like, were you constantly going through your collection? Because, like, that was the one thing we had up here is, you know, group comes in, they want to see your snakes, you show yeah. them through, and then an hour later, another group wants to see your snakes, you have to go right. back, or did you just do one big tour? No, I think I did, like, three or four of them, and uh, it was cool because... I don't like to repeat myself, but I, I guess I, most people didn't even care that I was repeating. They're like, no, I'll just say it again. And I, you know, I, I just, you know, try to show off what I had. Cause I know people are, I, I know what I would like to see. So I, I showed everyone what I thought they wanted to see. And, you know, people hadn't really seen a lot of some of the stuff I had and they hadn't really handled it. And I was just like, yeah, here I was handed off like albino olive pythons and, and albino. I yeah, I have an albino blue tongue skink, which a lot of people hadn't really ever handled up close. And so wow. it was, uh, Cool. And then, and I don't know if Ian mentioned, I, I just missed the beginning of the show, but uh, Ty Park came by, which was I really that. cool. That is cool. And, yeah. Yeah. He brought a nice big, he, he's smart. He's smarter than all of us. He brought a nice big, like, vase of, like, tulips for my wife, you know, just to be, you know, <laughs> really nice. Whoa, Actually, look at that. <laughs> why did yeah, I it was really that, cool. Right? Yeah, he came in and he looks at me and goes, where's the lady of the house? And he had this huge thing of flowers. Um, it was it was pretty cool. The funny thing is, I didn't know this, but evidently, you know, Ty doesn't even live in his facility in Punta Gorda, which is 20 minutes from my house. He lives in, like, really? Chicago. Like his, his wife is in Chicago. Yeah, that's and, what I heard. Yeah, and he goes back and forth. It's like, so he has, like, Whoa. 10 people that run the facility for him there, which has got to be, I told him, I said, you got to be a nervous wreck. He's like, nah, yeah, I have, you know, I usually have about eight of the 10 people are, are really good employees, so uh, we have a little <laughs> bit of turnover. You know how that goes. 
Oh, you know, the other two. Well, all right. You, know, you yeah. run a supermarket, so you must go through this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I got so 400. He's got, you know, he's got 10. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> what he told me he's that doing is I didn't know this. Get him. Oh, go ahead, Dave. No, go ahead, Dave. No, yeah. No, I was gonna say uh, Ty told me that he's he's he wants to open a zoo now. So oh, that's cool. awesome. He's going all over the country. That's one of the reasons why he came by my house. He wanted to see the facility I had because he needs to build inside buildings now, where where so people can walk in because not everything can be outside, you know. So uh-huh. he's thinking about putting two buildings on his property that would be like indoor buildings, and I, you know he was pretty impressed with what I had set up. Obviously, mine was half my office, half my snake room, but. He thought, you know, he was trying to get ideas for, you know, different materials. And I said, well, you know, Ty, one of the things you really have to be worried about is on a building is hurricane proof. You know, this mm-hmm. metal building I have is rated at 150 miles per hour. I said, so, you know, it would have to be some serious hurricane winds to knock that thing down. I said, that's, that's what you got to do because, you know, Crutchfield in Miami has these like wood huts. You would, during a hurricane, there's no way those things are standing up. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah. And Ty's going to do it right. You know, you know, it'll be like the most incredible zoo, I'm sure, of, of all time, you know, reptile zoo. So that's awesome. Big- that is awesome. Uh, we have a reptile zoo up here. Uh, Clyde Peeling's uh, place is not too far from ours. So to have uh, an entire reptile zoo down near you guys, it is something that's really cool. So Did that you would ever, be awesome. Uh, that going. Oh, and did you ever go to the um, the Staten Island Reptile Zoo? No, I have not. But now I will put it on my list of stuff to do. <laughs> so back in the day, like a trip, back Alan. in the day, yeah, back in the day was that was the most awesome you know zoo of all time. I don't know what what the status of it is now, but uh, that was like the reptile zoo. They had the biggest snakes I'd ever seen in my life as a kid. We went, we used to go there all the time. That's awesome. We have a standing invitation to the Bronx Zoo. Because uh, right. Chris Salemi's there, but you know we just have to get off our asses and go do it. So uh, yeah, but that would be awesome for a big reptile zoo down there. Because it's one more thing I have to go and visit when I go down <laughs> to Daytona when I get <laughs> that up and running. So yeah, there's a lot of crap. So that's awesome. One of the one of the coolest things, and I, and I want to just get people excited so that they want to go to you know Carpet Fest next time. Mm-hmm. You know, is one of the things that I I didn't really know what to expect. You know. It was cool because I finally got to put like faces on the names and I kind of know everyone now that, you know, I've seen a lot of these guys were on your show before, but I really didn't, you know, I just knew them from their voice, but now I actually kind of met them and I was right. showing mm-hmm. off a couple animals and I was like, um, yeah, man, I'm just look, I, I think I was showing off my zebra, uh, zebra, zebra jungle jag het granite female. It was you know, okay. I have, I have like a, a year or two old one. I'm growing it up. I'm like, yeah, this, I'm really looking for a uh, zebra granite to, male to, to breed this. I can't find any anywhere. <laughs> and Stephen Tillis goes, um, I may be able to help you. I may be able to help you out with that. And <laughs> he just happens to have one. And it was just like, what? It was the craziest thing, you know? So oh, wow. You, you make great connections. Yeah. yeah. Who would have known? I, don't, I wouldn't have known he had one. I don't know. He just wasn't like he was advertising it anywhere, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it was. That was one of the really cool things. Go ahead, Ian. I was just going to say that was one of the really cool things that happened kind of over and over again throughout the day. Um, And I think it really kind of hammers home the whole point of Carpus Fest to get out from behind your keyboard, to get off your phone and actually meet people in person. You know, there was a a point where uh, 
or Michael Thorne was asking, hey, do you know anything about Brettles pythons? And I was like, I don't know anything about Brettles pythons, but you know what? Casey Cannon knows a lot about Brettles pythons, <laughs> and he's downstairs. And he's over here. Introduce you. <laughs> and he's like, oh, really? I, I don't know Casey. And I was like, well, let me introduce you. And next thing I knew, Casey and Michael are having like an hour-long conversation about Brettles, and, you know, Michael's all jazzed about it. And that sort of thing happened. It was amazing. It happened, it happened several times throughout the day. Um, Eric Fishman, who bought a chondra from me last year, was saying, you know, I, I really am um, thinking about getting a new snake, and I don't know what to get. And I was like, oh, get another chondra, of course. And he was like, oh, I really think I want something a little bigger, maybe like a carpet. And he got to go down and check out some of Dave Palumbo's carpets, and next thing I know, he's buying a carpet from Bill Stiegel, who's sitting next to him on the couch <laughs> having, you know, having something to eat. And uh, so it was just amazing how that connection was made you know, multiple times throughout the day, people that would have never met each other in another place, um, being able to connect and being able to actually have a, a real live conversation and be able to exchange information about the animals that they're interested in. It was, um, for me, that was kind of like a, a real aha moment when I saw those things happening. And I was like, that, that makes it all worthwhile. You know, that was the whole point of the, the whole event. Who, Definitely. Who is it, Ian? Who, Ian, who is it that held my... Um... It was a girl that was there. She held. She had never held a snake, or she wasn't really into it. And, I, and she was holding that little baby carpet I had. The one. The yeah, Alpine I one. was. I was gonna tell that story. That was um. That was a pretty amazing story. And Dave, I'll, I'll set it up for you, and then you yeah. can you can kind of tell it. So basically, there was a couple. Um, it was Rob and Angela, and they actually came to Carpet Fest with with Derek and Haley Roddy. So it's some friends mm-hmm. of theirs from, I don't know, I think they're like in the Carolinas or something. They're not, they're not snake people. They're not reptile people. Uh, Derek and Haley were just like, hey, we're going to this big reptile party. You want to come? And they were like, yeah, we want to go. So um, I think, truth be told, it was a ploy. The women wanted to go to the outlet malls, and they dragged Derek there for like <laughs> half the day. Um, but anyhow, they were not reptile people at all. And Dave came out with this like really uh, difficult feeding python um, neonate. I don't even know what, what it was, some kind of carpet or something. And, and she held yeah. her first snake she had ever held before. So Dave, tell the story. Cause I mean, she literally was like over the moon, like, Oh my God, take a picture of me. I can't believe I'm holding a snake. And it was amazing. <laughs> so Dave, last take, take year it from I, there. Yeah. Last year I produced, um, I had a, a double head to double head carpet and I was trying to produce, I mean, I was double head snow, excuse me, to double head snow. And I was trying to produce snows. And I only got one egg that that hatched. It was good, and out Damn. hatched this albino-looking thing. So it was either albino or snow. I don't know because I don't know what a snow neonate looks like, you know. And mm-hmm. the thing has not eaten since it was born last whatever May. And literally every other week, usually I, I shove a pinky down its throat. I don't assist feed. I have to actually force feed it. This, but it's the healthiest looking, you'll, Ian saw it. It's the healthiest looking thing. It's the cutest thing. It just doesn't really grow much because it it's not eating anything nutritious. And it will not mm-hmm. eat for nothing. I mean, you could literally when I'm force feeding this thing, this thing will, will open its mouth for me. It doesn't bite. It's the nicest snake of all time. So this, this girl was like, you know, I said, you want to hold it? I didn't know that she had never held it. She's like, I never held a snake. I said, well, this snake is, won't bite anything, I said. So you have no chance of being Not even food, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not even food. So, um, you know, she held it, and she was like, like, you could tell. You know how when you first held your first snake and, and your eyes just light up? That, she had that mm-hmm. look in her face, and I was like, holy, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. And she was <laughs> holding it for like a half hour, so. Uh, yeah, yeah Dave, awesome. we should have probably prefaced by saying that she was probably in her, would you guess, I don't know, 
late thirties, maybe like when we say yeah. girl, like we're not talking about 12. Yeah. Like she was like an adult no. woman. She had never, yeah. never interacted with a snake before ever. Yeah. Wow. And it's funny because cool. I thought this, you know, a lot of people had told me, Oh, you should just put this thing in the freezer already. It, it's not going to viable. And then like five other people told me, Oh, I have snakes like that. They didn't eat for like eight months or six months or nine months and 10 months. And then all of a sudden it started eating. So I felt a lot better about the, uh, about my uh, codependence. Uh, <laughs> I can't get rid of it anyway. It's the only one that survives. So like I have to like you know keep uh, sticking it out. And uh, like I said, it's got a good personality. This thing. It's like a it's like a little puppy. Yeah, and it's doing a job as an ambassador right now. So uh, why the hell not? Who cares if it doesn't? If it's got to be annoying about food. So yeah, awesome. The cri- I don't know yeah. if Ian said this. Like I missed the beginning, but when I wa- when we when I walked in and saw the setup. I don't think he even saw it. When they started setting up all the food, we had ordered food. We were panicked, and we were like, oh, we ordered some pizzas, and they see, I hope we have enough. And literally, there was so much food on the table. I'm like, you know, I, 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 think we, I don't think we need that food. Keep that in the house. Was, literally, and I, have, I don't even know what you did with it, Ian, but there were literally like 25 loaves of bread that were, the, that were like six feet long each in these huge yeah. paper bags. I don't, yeah, I don't I even think know. a Where'd dozen of them are si- a dozen of them are sitting downstairs on my kitchen counter. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and my wife know. keeps saying to me, "What are we going to do with all these baguettes?" And I asked her Make if coast. Samantha could set up. I wanted her to set up a baguette stand at the end of the driveway and see if she could sell them for like a nickel <laughs> a piece, but she wouldn't let me. Right. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So, uh, I should no. also comment that, uh, you know, for you guys up north who missed out, the weather was absolutely spectacular. No. Uh, we had we had one uh, person, I think it was Anna Mitchell, who said, oh, my God, I can't believe how amazing the weather is. I haven't worn a dress in five months. Where's the bathroom? I have to change now. <laughs> like, she just couldn't <laughs> believe. She's like, I don't need to wear pants. I don't need a jacket. And we were like, no, you need bug spray and maybe some sunblock. Hmm. <laughs> Wow. Ian, Ian, you got a lot of, Ian got a lot of swag too sent us. It was like it was like um, bumper stickers and and little like tote bags and I felt like I was at like some kind of like I was felt I was at the Arnold Classic for for bodybuilding you know where they have like all these booths where you go around and get free samples of everything. It was crazy. I was expecting like there to be like a Reptilink like uh, station there where you can get like you know, you know free. Reptilink samples, <laughs> or something. Well, maybe next year. If you know, got yeah, If Nick is listening, year. if Nick is listening, we're uh, gonna need some donations of Reptilinks for next year. Uh, if you right. could get on that for us. Uh, yeah, I should <laughs> give a shout out. Triple um, L Reptile really hooked it up. They sent us lanyards and they sent us bumper stickers and they sent us uh, ZooMed tote bags, uh, and that was all on top of what they donated for the auction. So. A big shout out to those guys. They were a big supporter of Southeast Carpet Fest this year, and we definitely appreciate their their support. Now, are those Ooh, guys awesome. in Florida? Are they in Florida? Triple no, L? actually. So Triple L is based out in California. Oh, um, that's right. But but um, I actually know Lauren going back a, a number of years from when I was in the feed industry, and he's always been a big supporter of US Arc, and so. When we reached out to them and told them we were putting on this event, uh, they were just generous enough to, to donate not only to the auction, which helped raise quite a bit, um, but they also sent us just a lot of other kind of swag stuff. So we had bumper stickers and lanyards and tote bags and business cards. Awesome. I mean, they sent us all kinds of stuff. So it was, 
it was pretty cool. Um, and actually, I should, should definitely recognize Casey Cannon was, was a big part of that as well because he helped reach out to a lot of folks for donations to the auction. And so he also was involved in getting a lot of that stuff donated. So a big thank you to Casey. And actually, uh, him and Eric Chung helped me run the auction. And so they were the guys that at you know 6.59 and then 7 o'clock were helping close everything out and go through all the bids and whatnot. So, so thank you to those guys also. Awesome. I got to interrupt you because before I forget, I got to admit one thing that's like really embarrassing, but um, you know, what's, what's the greatest fear at holding carpet fest? Like, you know, having everyone see your collection I and mean, what would mm-hmm. you say would be your biggest fear when it's all oh, over? dirty or something like that, or, you know, yeah oh god yeah that one (laughs) (laughs) so of course monday morning i go into or sunday morning i go in and i think it it wasn't until monday because i didn't really look at anything on sunday monday i go into my collection and i'm and i'm putting you know i'm pairing up things i'm like and i'm looking i can't find this this male mandarin which is a pretty rare gene in ball pythons this mandarin male i can't find them but i don't even Mm -hmm. remember showing them to anyone i showed them the female because someone had asked me about it they had they knew that I had one, and I showed them the female. I hadn't even taken the male. I can't find this thing anywhere. So every terrible thought is going through my head, I have to admit. You know, every terrible, even though everyone was so, you know, nice and so, you know, uh, you know mm-hmm. respectful. I mean, I knew no one stole it or anything like that, but it was just like, I'm like, oh, maybe someone left the tub open, but there were no tubs open. I could, finally, you know, I, I had to calm myself down, and I went, and I, and I started getting the flashlight out, and, of course, I found it. It was, like, under a rack, So. Somehow, some some tub must have been left open and it got out. But it's the most horrifying feeling, you know. I'm like, I'm not holding this anymore here. No one's coming over anymore. <laughs> my head, and then after I find it, I'm like, what an asshole I have, you know. Uh, That's all awesome. good. Jerk snake. Oh, making you freak out. Yeah. Had to, had to ruin my uh, afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ian, what is the final total? for the auction well, how'd you guys do so i gotta say the auction ran really smoothly we had 85 items in the auction which was just unbelievable and Jeez. i'm also happy to say that it's only tuesday and as of this evening i have received payment for every single item in the auction we had nobody buy something and not come through so that was really cool also i've got like 25 packages to send out at the post office tomorrow. Uh, the <laughs> grand total uh, from the auction was $9,815, which is just That's unbelievable. Awesome. And when That's you combine incredible. that with the, when you combine that with the 1100 from the shirt, we actually <laughs> came in at 10,915. So just shy of $11,000. If there's anyone out there, who wants to donate $85 to our cause just to make it a nice round number. I am more than happy to entertain another $85 donation. So feel free to PayPal me. Um, But we came in just shy of 11,000. So um, that's all for us arc. And I can tell you that Phil Goss is certainly really happy to find an extra almost $11,000 in his budget that he didn't even know about because yeah. He didn't know that we were going to be doing this in the first place, let alone we'd be this successful. Um, that's the good news. The bad news for you guys is now you got to step up your game because 6,500, I think, is what I was told was the old record. So we kind of blew that one out of the water for you. 60 or se- it's either 65 or 7, something like that. 
but you know, it good job. That's great. <laughs> now, Ian, unfortunately, because you did such a great job, Eric and I are going to be pressuring you in June to run our auction. So be ready for this. <laughs> Yeah, what was that? The I problem think you're breaking was... up. It's a bad connection. No, no, no you heard me. You're, you're breaking clear. up again. With success uh, comes more responsibility. So you know. So we we on. like challenges, Owen. We like challenges. Um, don't you? Don't. What are you doing? <laughs> you know. Well, you know that up. challenge. I, I have that a competitive. Not... I have a competitive competitive streak in me. So we'll see. Uh, it. See what we can do. Well, I got. I got to say, Eric, that challenge is not just to you and Owen. I'm sure that Evan's listening, and if he's not, he'll be listening tomorrow on the download. But, mm-hmm. you know, Evan and Austin and Matt Morris and Bill Stiegel, they're going to have to step it up too, and uh, you know, they're going to have to raise a bit more money for the Southern and Carpet we... Fest. And, and I know Brandon Wheeler's got his event coming up in not too mm-hmm. long, so he's going to have to step it up. And then that means Terrell's going to have to step it up. So really what I'm saying is that, the whole Carpet Fest syndicate, if we can raise 11000 in the southeast, you guys should be able to do the same, and that just means a whole lot more money for U.S. Ark at the end of the year. You do know that Hell this might yeah. result in the death of Nick Mutton. You know that, right? Because <laughs> those, <laughs> those Northwest guys are end. crazy, and, you know, they get close every year. This year they may do it. So <laughs> Yeah, they always have some crazy challenges money. So, Owen, what are we going to get you to do in order to raise some money for U.S. Arc this year? I think that's going to have to be our angle. I I already (laughs) offered to shave my goatee, which is painful for me. But, you know, we we Uh, we need a little more than that, man. (laughs) Damn it. We can talk. Uh, We'll figure it out. Just you and me. No other people. (laughs) Gotcha. No other now, I do have to say there, there's a there's a double-edged sword to the auction. Um, mm. So I kept bidding on items not because I wanted to win items, but because I wanted to keep the bidding going and I wanted to keep the dollar amount going up and wanted to keep bringing it to the top of Facebook. And when it came time to close out the auction, I was sitting next to Casey and we're going through the items and we kind of split up the list into, you know, you take this group and I'll take that group and whatnot. And all of a sudden, like, Casey keeps saying, oh, Ian, you want another one? Oh, Ian, you want another oh. one? Oh, Ian, you want another one? And I'm like, God damn it, what did I win now? <laughs> it was stuff that yeah. I hadn't even remembered bidding on because I was just trying to bid it up. Uh, so um, yeah. I will say that that was a, a strategy that I might not employ next time. Um, but I certainly I pushed that dollar amount up just uh, by winning a lot of stuff that I didn't really we need to. We raised $11,000. We raised eleven thousand dollars, but Ian, uh, it was ten thousand of Ian's money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ian has well, to sell his car, yeah. So you know. <laughs> well, you know, it's all for a good cause. That's what everyone kept saying. So right, good spirit. Spice good didn't spirit. think it yeah. was as good a cause as I did, though. I usually do that with That's one awesome. item because I'm usually drunk at the time we do the auction. So it's usually like I'm yeah. just bidding you away. Know, and it gets like real serious, and then I'm just like, "Nah, I'm out." <laughs> and then that's the other, that's the other problem is we have the live part of the auction, which is just we keep talking about doing it earlier, and then we don't, and then we're intoxicated and trying to run an auction, and it yeah, yeah it's, it's very bad. It's very. We need you, Ian. We need your help. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think uh, 
Eric's already accepted the challenge. He says that you guys can take I, it on and, and show us Don't up. listen to the Hobbit. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll handle this. <laughs> you know. I don't know, man. I think I think we can do it, Owen. I think we can do it. We're yeah, the I original chapter, man. We're, yeah, it started yeah, with yeah. us. We're keeping <laughs> we're keeping Ian and we're keeping Ian for Southeast Carpet Fest because if he gets involved in any other ones, he might be divorced. So that's not going to work well for us. That's true. <laughs> that's true. For the sake of his marriage, we need to keep him the one. Yeah. His, so. his wife and my wife were colluding with each other, and that was not good. It didn't work out well. Oh no, no. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised Dory hasn't like Eric's wife hasn't like started throwing stuff at me when I show up at the house. I mean, you know, after nah, <laughs> Owen. So, yeah. Yeah, when I it saw is. Dave's building, you know, Dave's got a beautiful setup. But, you know, I'll tell you, Dave, that building's only like half full. And uh, I, I said know. something to that effect in front of his wife, and she just kind of rolled yeah. her eyes at me. And, and yeah, my dude. wife was saying, oh, yeah, we need to start a support group, you know, like for spouses of kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah right. Um, yeah, your your wife was 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 venting a little bit to my wife too, which didn't make my wife uh, any more uh, on board with what I'm doing. She's like, he, he spends he spends all the money that we're supposed to be saving on on new snakes. I said, well, he, needs, yeah. he needs what he needs. I said he needs yeah. what he needs. You and the funny thing is, you give your wife the same line that I give my wife, which is, it's gonna pay for itself. It's a, it's <laughs> And, and of course, we haven't hit that point where it is yet because we take all the money that we make and we put it right back into the business. Bag of more snakes, yeah. Ixnay on the secrets. They might be listening. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was wow. actually pretty cool. You know, Dave's, Dave's got a newborn baby, but his wife and his son and, and even the baby, they came and hung out with everyone for a little bit and kind of checked out the chaos. I think. Uh, we were maybe a little bit too rowdy for his son, but uh, we did get a demonstration of pine cone throwing. So I think uh, he might have a future in the Summer Olympics. Oh, awesome. <laughs> nice. That's great. So Dave's got, Dave's got an awesome spot there. It's got water right in the back. And so his son likes to throw the pine cones down the, the embankment down there towards the canal. And so he was giving us a demonstration alligator. and right about that time, like a four foot alligator swam by and, Everyone's like, oh my gosh, there's a gator right there. And we tried to egg uh, John Decker into going down into the canal and catching it for us, but he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't having any of it. He wouldn't do it? No. No, he wasn't having any of it. It'd be the best carpet fest ever if somebody got, like, accidentally, you know, mauled by a gator. It's like, yeah, come on. So. Now, see, if you combine that with Nick Mutton, you might be able to beat 11. You might. Dollars. That's it. I mean, that was, Nick, Nick probably would have taken donations to go get it. So next he year probably you guys would have gotten it too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He definitely would have it. No doubt. So, so Dave, is your setup, is that one room or two rooms? I couldn't make rhyme or reason of, uh, it's of like, it's actually three rooms. Um, so three the rooms. downstairs okay. is divided in three rooms, which are perfect because the, th- the two walls are kind of the support for the upper floor. And okay. like the middle room is like the bigger oversized room, which is where I kind of keep the bigger snakes, like the, the, the uh, olives, the, the, the adult carpets, the boas. And then the, the front, like the first room is like where I keep all the ball pythons and the, all the babies and the hatchling racks. Okay. And then there's another room, which is kind of like a, it's almost like a mini office and like storage area right now. But that room, believe it or not, is, is, is the coldest room because that's where the thermostat is for the air conditioner. Mm-hmm. So 
eventually that might be the wintering room and, you know, my bread lies are a little bigger and stuff like nice. that. Maybe the blue tongues can go in there as well. But uh, so I have a lot of, ro- I still have a lot of room to expand into, which is scary because, you know, I, I'm probably only using what Ian about maybe 50% of the space right now. Wow. Oh, maybe 50%, maybe 50%. If I thought, and know, I have a lot of stuff. You asked me the question. Yeah. And I have a decent amount of stuff, you know, um, the, the big room has got like some big cages in it, like some six foot, Vision cages for like vision cages? A, okay. a, a couple of berms I have in there I'm trying to breed. I have the all pythons in the, in the six, the, the six thirty twos because uh, they seem to do better in bigger spaces. I, you know, mm-hmm. when I had them in smaller cages, they were very aggressive and especially the female with the males. And it seems like the space is something that I think people take for granted. I know sometimes people don't have that space, but I found that with giving them more space, they seem more relaxed and they seem to be, I don't know, acting more natural than they were when they were in a, like a smaller area. Gotcha. So what was the animal that everybody kept was blown away by the one, the one animal that usually won every carpet. Stole the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it was probably the, the olive pythons. I think a lot of people had never held olive pythons and I didn't take out the, the, the big male and female that I was breeding. I had a, a head, I have a head albino male and, a, and an albino female, but I took out the albino male. I have a second male, and okay. he's a pretty decent size. You know, he's just not. A... Did he? Did we lose him? Did we lose him? I don't know. I think we lost Dave. Well, he's still there. Uh, oh, there he is. Did I break up? Yeah, well, you're breaking yeah, up a little bit. Up. You're getting out. Yeah. Once you hold like an olive python, if you've never held one. It kind of like ruins it because now you, now you have to have it. It's like, yes, I agree. Very true. So I, I think that probably is probably the most cool. The thing is, I have a lot of really cool boas. There weren't a lot of boa people there. There's only a couple of people there. So I think, like I said, the, the Australian snakes were more popular there. The blue tongues went up pretty well, too. I think those were a shocker. I think a lot of people didn't really notice. I had, I had won a, an uh, Azanthic blue tongue on. Uh, an auction and she's turned out she's gravid. I don't even know what the father is. So huh. to see this big gravid female and what a lot of people don't know is, and I, and I didn't know this until I got one, the azanthic um, blue tongues don't have blue, completely blue tongues. It's like half blue, half pink. Really? Really? Kind of weird. Yeah. Cause the albinos have pink tongues. The blue, every other blue tongue has a blue tongue. And then the uh, azanthics have half blue, half pink. So that was kind of cool. Uh, someone saw it and they're like, "Holy, that's that! I've never seen that before." And it was, you know, something that you don't expect. That's right. Cool. Yeah, I, I would agree with Dave. I think uh, the olive pythons were definitely a crowd favorite. Um, my my five year old son, who was like right next to Dave pretty much every time he opened the cage, <laughs> you know, he was even holding on to the python, the olive uh, python, or or the olive python was holding on to him. I'm not exactly sure, but. In one of the pictures, he's like, you know, just manhandling it. But ironically, I, I agree. I think the blue tongue skinks kind of stole the, a lot of people's attention away as well. That that albino one and that azantic one were were really cool. Um, a lot of people had never seen or held an albino one before, and and that thing was just so docile, and everyone was just kind of passing it around. So uh, so that was that was really cool. And um, Alexis took a lot of uh, Alexis Marie took a lot of really good pictures, and those are up in the group. And there's pictures I think of both of those animals, Dave, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, cool. That's awesome. 
So, Dave, I don't know if it was on From the Ground Up podcast. I heard you talk, maybe it was one of your videos, but you were talking about Nova Guinea Jags. Do you actually have that line? I don't know if that is is that what we're calling the supernova? Yes. Yes, yes. Supernova Jag? Yeah, I have the yeah, yeah. I have a pair of them, and I actually was people were pretty astounded with that that too because they're kind of cool, really cool looking. And yes. I tried to breed them last year; they didn't breed. This year, I'm hoping I I never see locks on these things. I don't I don't mm. uh, they're always intertwined with each other, but it, you know you never know they could be locked during the night, which I'm not when I'm not there. So I don't know. I'm hoping I get a you know get something this year from them because they're they're probably the coolest looking carpets that I I've seen, especially when they're about a when they hit a year old and they get their first color. They're like an ivory white, and yes. the pattern is reduced because of the jag in there. And they just they look. They, it looks like someone took a magic marker, like a, a like a, a black magic marker, and just put tribal symbols on this like this alabaster white, or I don't even know if it's the right ivory whiteish color. Um, right. They're 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 really pretty breathtaking. That that was the first carpets I ever bought, really, because I was so I was at a rep, I was at actually White Plains, and I was just like, holy, these are awesome. And, right. Uh, I but, the first pair I bought, and uh, so hopefully, like I said, we get some babies this year from them. But uh, yeah, you'll have to let me I know if you do because I can't. Yeah, I, I've absolutely. been looking for them everywhere, and then I, I heard you yeah. say that, and I was like, finally, I found somebody. <laughs> somebody yeah, pretty, they're them. pretty rare. They're pretty yeah. rare. I haven't seen many people who have them. So uh, no. Like I said, I, I hope they. I hope they breed this year. Um, really, shooting for it. I'll let you cool. know. Cool. Is that? Is that the one with the like the bald back that you sort of have in those? Uh, what, what what kind of racks are those? The um, oh, that would be the uh, IRS racks for freedom breeders. Yeah, the freedom breeders. Yeah, those are from freedom. Yeah. I have a lot of my um, uh, carpets in like the Vision, the the four uh, the the four hundred series ones, the four foot ones. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know. I just for some reason I had before I got those, I put them in in this in these Vision racks, and they just they just seem to be easy to access them and stuff like that. And so I never moved them into the other cages, but yeah, I have them in there for now. Yeah. Like I said, I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping this year we get something from them, but uh, fingers crossed. When you have the drawer, (laughs) when you can pull that drawer out, it's it's a lot easier to to clean and stuff like that than the cages, even though I think the cages are cooler and they have more height to them in the cages. And I know that all my carpets that are in the cages love to crawl along the top of the cage. And there's like a rim up there. So I think they get a little more exercise in, in those those bigger cages. I'll probably wind up moving all my carpets into there um, eventually. It's just I just haven't done it. I've been lazy about it. The other cool thing I saw, obviously it's still carpet related, but was the uh, Exanic Super Zebra, that headshot that uh, somebody took. Yeah, that's I thought a cool that was looking cool Oh, yeah, that, that was popular too, that snake. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was super popular. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. You know, I was telling people when I first got it, it was like this. I got it from Hessian. Mm. Right. It was super, super like silver metallic looking when I first got it. It's gotten a little darker as it's gotten older, um, mm-hmm. as it's matured. But wow, when that thing was probably that the first, you know, uh, year I had it, it was it was just killer looking and it's still it's still pretty cool i i think there's nothing cooler than a solid colored you know carpet python i think they're just like that's just to me is like the pinnacle um i'm actually breeding her i don't know if she's going to breed this year this is going to be the first time i'm going to try breeding her to a uh, albino zebra male okay so you know 
I, I kind of do what you're doing, uh, Eric, over there. I'm going to hopefully produce some zebras and super zebra doublehead snow. So nice. Know, with those, so we'll, we'll those would be happen, cool again. You know? Yeah. 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 That's some cool projects. <clears throat> yeah. So awesome. So are you ready for Carpet Fest 2019? Or yeah, you guys going to start doing that one? You got to start <laughs> planning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I told you the worst part about that is that we we set the bar way too high for ourselves because now we yeah. have to try to beat it, which is which <laughs> yeah. is a lot of pressure. Don't worry, yeah, we'll beat it. Then you'll have to beat us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping that we create so much excitement that we're just going to get more, you know, celebrities that are going to want to come down and say, hey, you know, we missed all the fun. We're, we're going to come down there. Because I, like I said, I think the best part of the whole thing is being able to interact with people. And, and I didn't even get to spend as much time as I wanted because I was, you know, the hosting the whole thing. But man, mm-hmm. if you want to learn about, about snakes, I mean, and, and reptiles, I mean, this is the place to do Way it. To do it's, it like, it's like the, everyone who goes there has their own little skill set, their own little, you know, niche that they've carved out for themselves and man you know if you're into a lot of different things like i am i i was talking to every different person about you know uh casey about his uh bread lie and i was talking to um like i said uh what was his name with the uh um the blackheads oh roddy Roddy, yeah yeah and i mean it was just great to to be able to you know talk to all these people about all these different things and everyone's an expert in what they do so I felt like I got a lot of knowledge, you know, from what I was doing. And then I, I realized, you know what, maybe I, I knew more than I actually thought. You know, sometimes you, you think you know nothing, and then you go there and you're like, oh, well, you know, I have a little bit more, a little more knowledge than I thought. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of That's reinforces all, that, yeah. all the studying that you've been doing and, and, and reading online is actually somewhat sunken into your head because you're kind of, now you're giving other people advice, so. Yeah, the one thing that I that the one thing that well, it didn't. I enjoyed it, but it made it difficult for me uh, last year. Was I spent the entire day in my snake room because it just was like as soon as people would leave, new people came in. As soon as you know what I mean, it was just like a, yeah, a we revolving plan that door. Better. So yeah, it's like oh wait, it's time for the auction. God damn. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. the day did fly by. It was amazing. Like all of a sudden people were leaving and I was like, wait a minute, it just started. What do you mean people are leaving? And it was eight, nine o'clock at night. And yeah, the day just flew by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I, I, I appreciate you guys, you know, helping to promote the event on, on the radio show, of course. And obviously it's your brainchild anyway. We just kind of like, uh, you know, uh, I guess rolled it out here in Florida, but uh, you know, you, you guys should have, definitely come down next year especially i mean how could you not uh, want to go to florida in the middle of the winter <laughs> oh hell yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's a thing <laughs> so but no yeah, it, we'll be it, there you guys did a great job and you took our you took carpet fest to a whole new uh level and area so hopefully we can start continuing to do it uh make it a yearly event kind of a thing and that'd be awesome so you just you know, can't awesome make it you can't make it when we're going to Australia. That's yeah, all. I can't do that. No. Please don't no. do that to us. So, no. um, yeah. I don't want to so have to I, choose. I don't, know, I, I don't know if you guys do any kind of award or anything for the person that traveled the farthest, but I think that um, I want to give at least some recognition. I think next year maybe we'll do like a, some kind of recognition or a raffle or something, but uh, I we did kind of figure out that uh, Roger Van Gosen actually traveled the farthest distance to get to Southeast Carpet Fest this year. So he lives outside of Pittsburgh, and he oh, actually God. flew down 
and he came in a couple days early, and uh, it was hilarious watching his post on Facebook because he was like, I might just become a vagrant and stay in Florida forever and never go home. (laughs) And and he kept posting, you know, like things like, oh, 12 more hours and I have to go back to 30 inches of snow or something crazy like that. (laughs) And uh, I guess he works at a a coal mine outside of Pittsburgh. And I kept saying, you know, we've got rock quarries. uh, We've got limestone quarries. There's got to be something comparable to coal mining in Florida. You don't have to go back to Pittsburgh. And he was uh, he was not looking forward to going back home. I think he he stayed the whole weekend and didn't leave until Monday. Um, but I did want to recognize that we did have a lot of people that actually came from from pretty far away. So Bill Siegel and his wife flew in from Texas. We had a number of people who came in from Georgia. Uh, some other folks from from around the southeast. But Roger definitely gets the award. Uh, he would have probably been beat by Meg. Uh, Meg was supposed to fly down from Chicago, but she got snowed in in that snowstorm and all the flights Mm -hmm. got canceled. So she would have been coming from a little bit further north, but just shows you the draw for for how far away uh, people came. I think uh, the weather was was a big draw for for people as well to get out of the cold. But uh, hopefully next year we'll have even more big name celebrities and maybe some representation from uh, from NPR because those GTP keeper Radio guys, they, they represent They sent you Bill, all right? Bill's the, Bill's the show Bill's up at every event. Bill's mostly NPR yeah. guy, man. Don't yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're talking about an award for furthest travel. We'd have to give it to Bill every time, and that would get annoying. So, you know, it's, he just pops up places. So, yeah. Also, as an I added say that incentive. I know he's listening. <laughs> yeah. As an added incentive. As an added incentive, you mentioned the coal mines in, in, in Pittsburgh. I was talking to him, and he was. I was like, "Are you actually? Do you actually work in the coal, like under the ground?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah." I think now he's up above the ground, but I think he was down there for a long time. And, you know, a lot of coal dust, and, and he smoked cigarettes on top of that. What so the hell? I wound up, yeah, yeah. I wound up giving a lot of uh, nutrition and health talks to everyone. So if if people are looking to lose weight and get in shape, they, you get like double, you get snake information and you get, you know, uh, workout <laughs> nutrition <laughs> diet information. I actually even sold a, a bunch of supplements to a lot of people who were there. Cause you know, I own a nutrition <laughs> company, a lot of people put vitamins and, and central fatty acids and protein powders for me. It was pretty funny, you know, but uh, Dave, you know. all I know is if you've got treadmills lined up next time, I'm not coming. All right. Like I am not <laughs> no, putting a bunch no, of red no, guys no, this, on treadmills. This is a trap. Yeah. For their food. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> diet started Monday, I told them, you know. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody gets a, a day off. Yeah. Awesome. God. Very cool, very cool. Um yeah. Sounds like it was a blast. Um uh, I wish we could have came, you know. Uh but uh there's always next year. Yeah. We'll be there it, for sure next year, no doubt. As long as you don't plan right. it when we're in Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we'll make awesome work. work and awesome. I'm glad you guys had such a good turnout and such a good time. It it, it uh, sounds great, and uh, we can't wait for you guys to start getting at us with your plans for 2019. Sounds yeah, I'm going to need a little Thanks. mini carpet ba- carpet fest vacation to recover from this uh, carpet fest hangover. But um, yeah, hopefully we made hopefully we made the brand proud, and uh, you know. We started. Absolutely. What, what are we? We're the now. There's the fifth carpet fest that'll be on the map. So, sounds like maybe maybe there'll be some other guys need to think about having maybe a Midwest carpet fest or something. I think uh, be cool if we had carpet fest all over the country. Uh, yeah. And 
Tinley's kind of the unofficial carpet fest, but I would like there to be an official one. That or we just take over Tinley one year. We all just don't. So I think I think the ultimate carpet fest would be in Australia. That would be stop like, that. <laughs> you, you just said Australia <laughs> like eight be, times in the past the two minutes. Stop it. One. I mean, come oh, on. Like, we we in bodybuilding we have something called the Mr. Olympia. It's like the Super Bowl, and it's every right. year they hold <laughs> yeah. in uh, in Las Vegas because everyone wants to go to Las Vegas. So who doesn't? You yeah. Know. Right. So I mean, let's face it. Everyone likes warm weather. It's, either, <laughs> it's the, the the Super Bowl of Carpet Fest has got to be in either in Florida, you know, or or in like California somewhere. And so you, you know, I think we got to have like a Super Carpet Fest. Like one one of the Carpet Fests every year has got to be considered the Super Carpet Fest. And uh, maybe that we should make uh, since we were so successful here in one year, maybe we should uh, we should designate the Southeast Carpet Fest as Super Carpet Fest. What do you think about that? <laughs> as the one that everyone should try to make it out to right. that year. Uh, I like that idea. You know, Florida is year. Yeah, I mean, if you're into reptiles, I mean, you can't get much better than Florida. I mean, that that is true. I mean, you can go herping. You can see a hundred people's collections. Plus, you can have fun. You can entice the wife into going down with you because you know <laughs> they can go. I, I to bet the you beach. next year, Ty Park's place will be done. You could even we could even organize like a field trip to Ty Park's place as That'd well. That'd be awesome. This year, you had damage from the hurricane, but I'm sure next year he'll be more than happy to let people come over. Man, Owen, they're making us up our game, man. We got up the game, bro. <laughs> do you want to open a reptile zoo? What are you getting at here? You know, I don't know. We got to do we'll something. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Jesus. We need, like, I, can only do, I, I can only do so much. We need Bindi Irwin to come to our uh, carpet fest or something. I don't know. We got to do we'll something. We'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, very cool. Well, I don't know. Anything else you want to – any other funny stories yeah, you want to share? Or, uh... Uh, no, I think uh, I'm all out of funny stories. I'm just uh, – I'm glad everyone had a good time. There's a pile of auction items here, so if you won something in the auction and you're expecting it, it has not shipped out yet. But I do have everything paid for and labeled and packaged, and it will be going out this week. Um I do want to give uh, you know shout out to the planning committee. There were a lot of people that helped, uh, a lot of people that contributed, and uh, uh-huh. do appreciate you know everyone chipping in and and helping out. Um, and thank you again to Dave and his wife for hosting. Uh, that was that was a big part of it. And and I guess I, before I get in too much trouble, I should give a shout out to my wife because she actually helped uh, with a lot of the auction stuff as well, and a lot of the food organization and stuff like that. So. She she awesome. actually was a, a big part of the behind the scenes also. So really just a thanks to everyone. Thanks to you guys for starting it. And thanks to uh, KJ and Dave Pearson for kind of passing the torch to, to Dave and I for this year to, to kind of get things revived. So I'm just happy it's over. I need a little carpet <laughs> vacation and then we'll be ready to start planning for next year, I guess. Awesome. Well, you know, and then of course we're going to start bugging you. You've been bugging us about coming down to yours uh, we are soon on the docket, so we're going to start bugging you about coming up to Northeast. So it's in June. There you I've go. I've already got it on the calendar, Owen. Already. On My the God. <laughs> so, nice. All right. Awesome. Yeah, I'm Very hoping cool, to make it to Southern and Northeast this year, but we'll, we'll see if I can swing both. But that's the plan. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, it's awesome chatting with you guys, and. Uh, Hopefully we'll see you at a Carpet Fest uh, 
sometime soon. Guys, have a great uh, rest of the radio show. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Wow, man. We went from that measly first carpet fest in 2012 to like with uh, like 10 people in Howard's backyard, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, and then that second carpet where fest we where nobody cooked yo, anything because they were all staring at each other. Yeah. Food, man. We just, oh. we just all sat there and looked at each other. It was just like stupid. What the hell? You know. Yeah. And then we had to make the rules of everyone got to food, bring it, to eat stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it's slowly rolling into something that I think is going to be, you know, awesome. I think we're uh, maybe a few more years, a few more carpet fests away from this actually being like an explosion of stuff where it's like my house may not be able to contain it anymore. So it's like, all right, yeah. you know, that's what I I'm do, worried about. Yeah. I think the, the coolest thing for me has been is like, it's always been a struggle when you're having an event not in a bad way, but when you're having an event at somebody else's house besides either mine or yours, you yeah. know, and now that it's like kind of in our control, it makes yes. it much less stressful to plan. It does. Because and also, you know, when you have Chris and Lemmy and Rob Stone as your like personal slaves for two days, like <laughs> a lot of stuff is done. Yes. Yes. So true. <laughs> hey guys, you know, I need you to build me a hey, go rock build a fire pit. pit. What? <laughs> go build a fire Love pit. Love these rocks. For yeah. but um, I don't want to. You heard me. Go build a fire. I don't fire care. Yeah. I didn't yeah. ask. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, I'm glad they had such a good turnout and such a good time, and uh, uh, I really hope it picks up down there. And that's awesome that they got, you know, all those people to show up, and a lot of people from the Florida reptile area. Um, and you're right. It, it, the problem is, is that this kind of stuff makes us up our game and move us along. I mean, we had to go down to Texas before we decided that having a uh, tequila machine or a margarita machine was what we should do. So, you know, this is now we're going to. Yeah. It's always cool to see what other people do and their interpretation of it. We've always been the laid back kind of carpet fest where you just go and chill, have fun, drink and have a blast. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I think that was always our, like our, the whole idea of, of why we even started it was to get you from behind your computer. Just like, you know, Ian and uh, David said is like, you know, get out from behind the computer and out. Yeah. actually talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately uh, that's, that's the goal. And it appears that that's happening. And I think that's how you just, you build relationships with people. You get to know them and they know you in a different way. And, you know, it's, I don't know, just, it's a good thing. So I'm happy. I'm happy. Very cool. good. Um, so, I mean, you know, now we're going to have to like, you know, for a thousand dollars, we'll set Owen on fire or something like that. I mean, is that what we're getting at here? <laughs> the wheels in your little head are turning and they, yeah, they are, man. I, I had, that, a, and then I have a bunch bad. of ideas that I could say, but I'm bad. like, Ugh. Because we're going to have, like, you know, here's going to happen in, like, a month or so. Because, like, right now we're in February. In a month or so, you're going to do the whole, we should meet up and talk Carpet Fest. So I'll be like, all right, we'll go. We'll be sitting someplace. Like, last time we were at, like, a sushi bar. And we were uh-huh. having sushi. And we were talking. And you start thumbing through this book. And I'm like, what? 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 Like, every other page was 
<laughs> more horrible of an idea to a more horror. Like it was just all these. So yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for that uh, again. We're just gonna be like, I'm sorry, what now? What are we doing? So yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know what to say after that because I yeah, know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's nothing to say. You know, let it go. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, you know, I have uh, Rob. He's probably think because he's listening right now, not live, but tomorrow. Rob, Rob Stone, into yeah. the future, yeah. yeah. And he's sitting Hi, there and he's going, "Yeah, I have a few ideas too." <laughs> that the two of you in a room is very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that you guys like talk once a week is also extremely dangerous. You guys are making decisions for my future that I don't even know about. That you don't even know about. You don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't oh, know about do it. Yeah, you will. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Dangerous. So, all right, let's. Uh, so, how's your breeding season going? I got a few locks. I think uh, I haven't had anybody that's like, you're obviously gravid, except maybe one jungle, which uh, is kind of a little disappointing because I kind of had a few males that I was really hoping would have gotten the job done by now and then it would free them up for other females. So, uh, but it's still so early in the season that I'm not really that concerned, but uh, I think we're going well. I think we're going to get a few. Um, and uh, I should get some of that weird stuff. Like, uh, I think I might get water pythons. I think I oh, might really? get... Yeah. Yeah, she looks huge, but, you know, she was the one that tried to nail you in the face. Um, <laughs> she won't let me get close enough to check out. So, I yeah. don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know what the white lips are doing. I don't know what the olives are doing. Uh I think I might get a litter of Dominican red mountain bows. There's a lot of stuff. I've been, right now, it's at that happy thing of that I'm seeing a ton of locks, but I'm not seeing any real development. I think we're like two months away from me being like, that one and that one and that one are gravid, and all these are the ones I don't know what you're doing. So, yeah. Yeah, this is this time of year where I always get – I start to doubt myself, right? Yes. I start to say, yes. um, wow, she really looks gravid. But mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, oh, no, man, I, I exactly. <laughs> this yeah, is the time when I, when I when I torpedo a project. This is the time when I do it because I'm like, she looks fat, and I pull the mail, and then two months from now she slims down again. And I go fuck. Like you know that's yeah. that's this is when I would do it. But the other so, thing is that I will also call like usually once a year I'll call Chris Foley, and he and I will be talking on the phone. And he'll be like, how's your season going? And I'll be like, I'm not going to get anything. Like, not, no one's breeding. No one's doing this. I don't have any females that are big. And he'll be like, yeah, he'll be like, he'll be like shut up. Call me in June and tell me how many babies you have and how doomed you are. So, you know, and that happens every year. This year, he's breeding all his barnecks and stuff like that. So he and I pretty much had the same conversation. We were both in the same place. We don't think we're going to get anything. We both suck at this. We don't know what we're doing. So who knows? In June, we could both be drowning in baby pythons. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, <clears throat> I um I have man, you know I I have two girls that I think have what I call the pre-ovulation shed, which mm-hmm. is I think where a lot of people sometimes get get messed up, and mm-hmm. they go and they pull male or they you know they do whatever and then they end up uh, you know the female ends up reabsorbing, I guess, if you will. But uh, <clears throat> hopefully, 
hopefully uh, I played it smart and I, I left the mail in there. So I usually don't pull the mail until like, till she starts basking like belly up and like, I call it yeah. twisting into a pretzel. So like um, <laughs> my carpets, they do like these, I'm assuming it's all carpets because I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Maybe not all, but you know what I mean? Most carpets Most. do this. They like, kind of like get in these positions where you're like, what the hell? Like they tied themselves into an uncomfortable knot. And Even when I see that, gags. yeah, when I see that, I'm pretty much like, okay, I, I think that's a done deal. Um, so we'll see. Uh, well, my, no, and then there's for, the thing that sometimes they don't even do that. Like, because last year I had a pair of jungles together and I had no idea mm-hmm. what the hell was going on. And she ended up laying a tiny clutch of like 10 eggs. And, I, uh-huh. and the male was like, he, he was in there. He was like over there. And I'm like, oh, shit. So, you know, that's sometimes they don't even give you that reaction. Or I right. was really stupid and missed it. So, yeah, I think my uh, M pen girl, she ovulated the other day. It was the first time like I seen an ovulation, like mm-hmm. I caught it uh, mm-hmm. right then and there. And because um, I was worried, I was like on the fence, like I seen a lot of locks, but it just she didn't seem to have that. I call it uh, when you kind of when you grab them on the back end and you kind of just like hold them. It feels like they're it's almost like. I don't know if you, if if anybody's ever gotten it to where your hands swell up and they feel like they're going to explode, you know, it's like real tight. What, you mean like if you injure your hand? It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like about? if you, if you have like, if you're like sometimes because I'm allergic to certain things, right? Uh-huh. If I like, um, you know, especially like if I pet a cat or something like that, or a cat licks me, I, I like, <laughs> I swell up. That's probably bad that I just told him about that. Wait, you have a cat. Wait, wait. Yeah, I know. What are you doing? We have an understanding. We have an understanding. (laughs) I stay away from him. He stays away from me. Absolutely. All right. It was a package deal with the wife. And, you know, it was like, okay, I guess I had a talk with the cat. I said, listen, cat, you stay over there. I'll stay over here. We just stay away from each other. I will I will agree that I've had that happen well, um, when I was working for a zoo and a, a, a gator got my hand to the point where it was like, it felt like it was going to like burst. Like the skin is tight is what I think yes. you're trying to get. Right. Yes. We're, but right. <laughs> so we're all on the same page. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's kind of like what I, what, when I hold them that, that it feels like to me. And then, um, you know, then I'm pretty much thinking like, okay, this girl is either very close or, you know, uh, we're on the right direction, but with her, I didn't feel it. So it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm kind of worried that maybe I'm not going to get anything. And then all of a sudden she ovulated and now she feels like that. So hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know it's so late in the game. Like my main thing is when I see their belly scales pop out to that square, like that's yeah. when I'm like, it's, we're done deal. But th- I know that's so far late in the game. That some of my girls get big fast, especially some of my bigger animals who get like thirty something eggs cooking in there. So um, thirty eggs, one snake. I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> well, I'm oh, trying for um, Trinity, who is like you know Echo's mom, and 
all that other stuff. She's like one of my, uh, she's like Ted Thompson Coastal. I got back in 2008. Um, I'm breeding her this year to an exanic male. So okay. I'll have like 32. I don't know how exanics pass genetically anymore. So I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to be like, hey, don't say it wrong. <laughs> I'm like, it's going to, wrong. it's wrong, right? I don't, I'll I don't know, man. So I don't know. Um, but it's like, and I'm going to breed all these things and I'm going to be so worried about what to say about selling them. Then I'm going to hold them all back until like, until someone tells me what to say. It's like, I don't want to do it wrong. So yeah, but that'll be, uh, hopefully she'll have like 32 eggs. I mean, nice. but yeah, very cool. But that, yeah, that's so the thing good. is like every female is different and every female does a different thing. I have ones that like the second they're gravid, they're belly up all the damn time. Um, and then I have ones that don't even show it. Uh, and, and then I have, um, and then I, and it even goes through with different species. Like, uh, my female white lip just shed uh, a few days uh-huh. ago. Okay. And when she went, she went from whipping around the cage to now she's in a bin in the high bin and she's just there and she won't come out. So I don't know what the hell she's doing. I don't know if that's part of their thing. The male wants nothing to do with her. So, you know, we'll figure that out. But, you know, and then my female olive just shed. So I don't know like where everybody is on their little grand scheme of things. But for all I know, we're heading in the total correct, right direction. And all three of my bread lie are dark as hell. So it's one of those things where you're going to keep going and keep checking stuff off. And just because you aren't seeing the locks does not mean it's not happening. So uh, I think next, I think this Friday, I'm going to do a switch up of a few of my boys who have been in the same cages with these same girls for a while. And now they're like on opposite ends of the cage. So I will introduce them to their secondary girls and give the primary girl a break for a little bit. So, okay. and that's the idea. Cause like right now I have a, a Delia scattershot male going between a Mojo reptiles, jungle female and a zebra female from Headhunter, And the Mojo female looks huge and she looks very big, very, on the well way to be gravid and I'll put the male in there. And then after a night of them kind of cuddling up together, they'll be separated like different ends of the cage. And I don't want him to hog the hot spot, So I'll pull him out and she'll curl up right under the hot spot immediately once he leaves. So he's been spending a lot more time with the zebra because they've locked up a few times. The zebra's not as far along. So it's just kind of work. You, you got to kind of, you always talk about student of the serpent and watching what the hell's going on. Breeding time is definitely when you need to know where everybody's at. If they're getting along, if breeding's happening, if sometimes it helps to pull the male for like two days, like give them two days apart and then reintroduce them and they may start clicking again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see that post too about, uh, this one thing I saw, somebody posted up their carpets uh, combating, male combating, and there was a bunch yep. of people like freaking out about male combat. And I'm thinking, what do you, what, what is going on? Like, this is like Combat's a normal combat. thing. 
Like, yeah. Well, I, I know some people might want to not do it. They feel about And if you're brand new to snake breeding and someone says male combat, I, I know the pictures going through your head is like mountain goats hitting each other and like, you know, I don't know, tigers fighting. It's not that violent. They, you don't want to do it unsupervised, but you know, no one to call it, but it is another tool in your belt to use to try to get males and females to breed. Yeah. I mean, I, I typically don't like, I wouldn't let it go to the point to where, you know, they're actually hurting each other. Right. So like you definitely, if you're going to do it, you do not let, leave them alone. That's for sure. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, definitely have to be there to pull it just in case, you know, it starts to go that way. But I've never even seen, maybe because when I've done it, I've pulled them so quickly that it's never escalated to the point of full on combat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like biting each other or anything like that. I've seen some pictures where they've done some damage. It really has to do with the fact that they can't get away, you know? So it's like, okay. Um, well, and then there's the other thing of that, you know, there are certain species that I would never even consider combating. You know, I'm not about to throw in um, my younger male olive python link. In no, my, <laughs> no, he's, he's he's like eight. He's like four feet shorter than him like that. No, like and also olive pythons are just nasty to each other. So I wouldn't do that. And then you also hear all the horror stories. If anybody wants to hear horror stories. Just Google retick combat wounds. I mean, Ooh. no, yeah. no. I was holding yeah, my retick today. I'm so happy with her, but um, it's just like, um, oh my goodness, I would never do that. <laughs> what you is know, going on it, in this world? I know, right? But you know, it's that's like the one I, thing I didn't see at your house. Now that I'm thinking of the retick, it, not the, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't bust out the retick. Yeah. Mm. All right, go ahead. Anyway, I'm just saying yeah. there's, you got to know what you're looking at. You got to know what you're, what you can do and what you can't do. And combat for certain species is not something I would do. But also, you know, combating a jaguar carpet python is not really going to get you anywhere either. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you also got to know what might work for your boy. <laughs> like, combat. All right, that's not it. So it's like you know, there's. Other things, and also, there are so many, I find there's so many other tools that you can get to before you even consider combat that can get the animals rolling in that direction that you didn't, uh-huh. I don't, I, I've never actually intentionally combated in a while. I mean, I'm waiting for one of my boys to shed, and I'm going to tear that up and throw it all amongst cages and all that other stuff, so. Yeah, I think I think like the only time that I've ever really used it was um for a new male. Like a mm. new male that I wasn't seeing any action and just trying to show him that uh this is, you know, this is what you you have to do. And um I usually try to start with a shed first. I yeah. find that definitely to be the safer route. You know, so and and a couple of people had commented that that you could basically use the shed, and you can. You know, I think oh, and you've talked about where you kind of let it gain some stank in a water bottle, oh, and then, you know, oh, that spray is, that magic juice all over the place. It was, and, uh, uh, so I had these brown peroxide bottles, like uh, spray. Like if you go to any kind of Rite Aid or something, like that they have little brown 
peroxide bottles that you can buy for like med kits and spraying and stuff like that. And I was using that for a little bit for some kind of cleaner. Um, and I took one of those and I emptied it out and I shoved the snake shed in there and I guess the snake had peed on it, the shed. So uh-huh. I filled it up with water and I put that cap on there and I used it for the breeding season and it worked great. You know, I pissed off all my males with that shit. Uh, and then I put it on the shelf and I totally forgot about it. So, you know, months later, I'm cleaning up the room and I'm moving stuff around and uh, I find the little brown spray bottle. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I pop it open and I'm like, oh, 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 God, <laughs> like that's that's the only problem I would say is label everything correctly. Otherwise, you're going to you make yourself sick. So, <laughs> but yes, yeah, I've used that where it's you shove this the uh, uh, definitely one that a male has like peed on into a spray bottle and use that on the uh, other boys. So, yeah, that usually will get them going. I wonder if that's why, like, I don't know if you've noticed this. I think we've talked about this as well, but um, especially when it comes to carpets and during the breeding season is like, you know, obviously I'm not going to have the cage be disgustingly gross, but at the same time, I kind of like if they do like kind of pee in a corner or something like that, I kind of leave it there because it seems like as soon as I change the paper, they do it again. They do it again. So yeah. it's kind of like, Emma, is this kind of what they want or like, you know, and if I, if I leave it there, then that seems to, to be where it's at and you know, nothing else really. I, I would uh, agree is it's one of those, like when it comes to my breeding pairs, if there's a urate or two, um, or if like a, a corner of a paper is the only thing that's really kind of messy, I might leave it just because it gets them kind of moving around and gets them kind of doing some stuff. And it's just like their territory, their area, but you know, right. then that's fine. And, you know, obviously you don't let it go out of control and I still do my weekly cleanings, but maybe now it's like during the summertime, I'd be like, all right, I gotta change your paper. And now during the wintertime, I'm like, eh, clean days in two days. I'll see you then. So, you know, right. that's fine. You know, of course, sometimes you say clean days in two days, I'll see you then you come back down later and they flip their water bowl and you're like, well, okay, I guess we're doing this now. So it's just how it goes, you know, but this is the time. And, you know, I had the conversation with you and Matt several times where last year, I think it was like springtime. I'm like, I went downstairs and cleaned and I ended up interrupting like three of my animals because I was like motoring through the cages. And I just opened the cage, pulled the bin out, and they were on top of the bin locked. And I'm like, crap, and I had to put them back real quick. I mean, and Matt's like, this is the time you need to be lazy and just kind of let them do what they got to do and slow down. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I was telling you before, um, and I think I kind of talked about this uh, a little bit, um, mm-hmm. maybe last week or whatever. But um, so I had a what started to what looked like the start of a respiratory infection um, in an IJ that I had that I was breeding. And mm. I have a couple of thoughts when it comes to, um, to why they develop respiratory infections. But one I think has to do with ventilation. So making sure that mm. your ventilation in your cages or your racks or whatever are on point um, Two, I really think that the dry air, affects them um especially what i've seen with ijs in particular and like during the winter here like the air gets really dry so what i've done is i've 
I, I had this for a while. I didn't really run it consistently, but I've started running my humidifier in the room. And I just do it during the, uh, during the winter when I'm running the heat because it gets so dry. I've noticed an improvement. Anyway, I'm kind of getting off topic, but the, the point is I, I took that snake to the vet. I did the NIDO test, came up negative, which cool. made me happy. And mm-hmm. um, a slight, uh, they found some uh, some bacteria, bacteria, I uh, forget what, just very, very minor, minor. Um, but he still wanted me to treat. I can't remember the drug that he gave me because I kind of just picked it up really fast coming from work. But it's frozen. Do you know what that would be? Oh, yeah. Um, amicacin? Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, I mean, I so, think amicacin is normally frozen or something like that. But yeah, they got to uh, take it out like a half an hour before you inject it. Yeah, and, you know. Well, if, yeah. if if it's if usually it's a really tiny bottle, and yeah. you can literally warm that up like just by holding it in your hand, and it'll melt quick. So yeah. So, yeah, I have that and give him, uh, I think I have like, uh, you know, I, I asked him, I said, the signs have kind of disappeared. Should I, you know, should I still treat? Keep he's going. Like, yeah. Still, he still would. Um, so, you know, that's always fun giving a snake a shot. That's the one thing that my wife. Oh, uh, yeah. Do. <laughs> I was like, either you can <laughs> hold the snake or you can give it the shot. You can do the needle. <laughs> you pick your, pick your poison. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wait. Yeah, wait, I uh, wait. I have one as well that is uh he was getting clicky on me, so I put him in the incubator and we're going to see how he progresses in the next day or two and then uh I might be doing the same thing you're doing, but you know, he's a young one, he's a juvenile, he's actually brand new to the collection, so uh you have to kind of wait. expect it. I think I've talked about this too, but like it's so mm. You know, I always talk about perspective and everything, but like when you go to the vet and the vet Mm -hmm. is talking to you about nidovirus and Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, you're expecting him to think that it's like the end of the world. Now, now take it now, understand that our vet, which is my vet, Owen's vet. Um, he also does, um, Matt, Matt Minitola, uh, Matt Minitola's animals. Um, you know, basically everybody in the local Philadelphia area, I think pretty much with reptiles goes to Dr. D. And uh, so he's like, his take on it was just very, um, I don't know. It just, it just gave me a different perspective because he's just like, you know, this, and and it's kind of stuff that we've talked about, but he's like, I don't understand Mm -hmm. why everybody's so hype about this thing that's been around forever. He's like, I, I don't want to tell you one way or the other, what to do, what not to do, blah, blah, blah. He was almost like trying to talk me out of getting the NIDO test. And right. I was kind of like taken back by that. And, you know, the thing of it was, he's like, if you had animals that were just kind of dropping dead for no reason, and you're coming to me and mm-hmm. telling me that you have all these respiratory infections and whatnot, then I would probably say that, you know, there's an issue. Um, right, but like, I don't one know. or two, yeah, yeah, sporadically, and a long time in between. Plus, then there's the also the thing of that like, uh, the second I see a whole bunch of phlegm and stuff 
kind of is like a, oh, thank God, it's just an R.I. So, you know, it's like, there's that. <laughs> yeah, it's <so> weird. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, no, I'm like, oh, good, weird. you're coughing stuff up oh. out of your lungs. That's nice. It's like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. And like I said, with this guy, you know, he's in the incubator. He's looking better already. He yeah. bit me on the face, which has never happened to me before. And uh, is no, it's annoying. Is <laughs> like I used to give Jason Balin so much shit for getting nailed in the face, like at a show by a big female, and and right. I got bit in the face by this tiny little, you know, year and a half old, and I'm like, you little bastard! Like, and he wouldn't let go either, so he's like on my cheek, and it's like, really, never been bit in the face before, and you're gonna do this? So, yeah. Oh. Anyway. Speaking of face biters, white lips. Yes. Did you talk yes. about your white lips? Breeding them this year? What's your? I, I haven't. I haven't talked about breeding the white lips this year. Uh, I haven't. I know we. I know we pulled the mail out for that video thing that you had. Um, the with them this year, I tried something a little bit different because last year what I did with them because this is like my second year having this pair. And right. I always thought they were wild caught, and it turned out they were both captive born and bred animals. So okay. now I'm a little bit even more intrigued. But last year they ha- they both have uh, four by two by two cages during the off season, mulched, big water bins, big hide boxes, and that's where they are. Last right. year I just put the male in with the female in the four foot cage. And okay. It didn't go well. There was some fighting. There was them being white lips. They bit each other a lot. It was weird. This year, I had the six by two by twos built for the olive pythons. So when the olive pythons went together, I had an open six foot cage. So I literally took their mulch from both their right. cages, combined them, okay, and wet wet them down like crazy, and then put them all in the six foot cage. Gave them a huge water bin that they could both curl up into, and then gave them the same exact hide box, but with dry mulch and moss in it. And that's what they okay. have. I haven't All had right. any fights. I haven't had any kind of aggression. They haven't really come at me. Like, they look, they're inquisitive and they're hungry and they want me out of their cage. But last year they were, like, at the doors. They were, like, whipping around. They're just – a lot of times I either find them curled up together or on opposite ends of the cages. They were sharing the water. They were sharing the hide boxes. So I don't know. I haven't seen any locks, but I don't know. It's better than last year so far. So is there a different approach as far as are you doing anything different than, say, what you do for your carpets as far as temperatures or anything like that? I'm doing the same temperatures, but what I'm going to do differently is when we warm up, I'm going to literally take the hose that I used to fill up waters and it has like a mist setting. And I'm just uh-huh. going gonna to wet down that cage. It's going to be insane. Like I might even pull the temp probes for a little bit just to be safe. Like I'm going to make it monsoon in that thing because I've heard that sometimes that helps. So and these are Southerns or Northerns? Northerns. These are gold face. Okay. Yeah. All right. I so that's like the only thing different I'm going to do with them. Uh, well, of course okay. you do. And I know if I ever get eggs, somebody has to get first on the list. So yeah, but you know, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but I actually prefer the the black, the southern ones, but, you know, hey, right. there's uh, here's the thing is like, you know, breeding the carpets is fun. It's awesome. I love doing it, but it's like 
I have so many of those projects and it's like, go in, do what you got to do. But I want to have the project that kind of makes me want to think and tinker and mess around. Exactly. And the one that like, if I were to like breed the white lips, if I got white lip eggs, I would not give a shit about any other egg coming out of my place. Like, you know, I don't care. Like the white lips could lay eggs and then like three other carpets could lay eggs and I'm going to be pawning over the white lip eggs for like an hour. Those females may end up going maternal incubation because I'll not want to pull their <laughs> eggs because yeah. I don't want to mess up what the white lip eggs might need in the cage. Like, you know, that's, that's, that's yeah, that's how it would go. So, yeah, I was going to say, how many, how many hours of the day would you be checking the incubator to make sure? I would go buy a camera. <laughs> I'd buy a camera and a box so I could have like a little window on at work that just sees egg. Like it just like you know just the eggs, right? Yeah. Well, I think the trick with them, right, from listening to like past episodes, is like number one, you got to find a pair of that don't want to kill each, each other. other. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So that Which, that's uh, that kind of sucks in a way because if you pick this pair and you grow them up and now they're adults and they hate each other, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> well, and then and then I was thinking about that a ways with because Andrew. Uh, and I talk about the, you know, monitor versus Python all the damn time. And he says right. where a lot of people have problem is people buy two baby Nile monitors. And here you have you know, nice little baby Nile monitors and they grow them up to adult size. And then uh-huh. they chuck them together and then <laughs> their female like rips the male's head off or something. And it's like, oh, no, it's like because they don't know who the hell what's, what's going on. So what he does is he tends to raise them in groups where it's a big cage and it's four or five lizards to a cage. So they really kind of understand I'm a lizard. That's a lizard. Everybody hears lizards. So it's like, and then if he can, he will keep the pairs together as they grow up, as they get bigger, the cages just get bigger. And then the number of animals just get smaller until you have a dominant male and a dominant female. And then they're cool. They've figured each other out and then they eventually Mm -hmm. breed. So it's almost like if I were raising white lips, they kind of compare to see the dominant pairs. It's almost like how if like with diamond pythons, when the diamonds really kind of start getting more and more closer to sexual maturity, you definitely want to make sure you take them down and do the winter stuff that with them, you know, maybe you want to start having the introductions with the white lips when they're year and a half, two years old, just let them kind of feel each other out. Get to know each other. Yeah, I guess something like that. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't have white lips, but I think I'm going to run into the same issue with ring pythons. So, you and know. your pop ones. Yeah, them too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about them. <laughs> and that, yeah, those two. <laughs> so, you know, it, if any of those animals were to eat each other, your pop ones are like top of my list. So, you know, and then, then that happens. You could always have, you know, and, and the biggest thing is, you got to have the, I think also with the whole compatible pairing, I think white lips are very unforgiving when it comes to like every once in a while with a carpet python, you can have a female that goes with a younger, smaller male, just because it works out that way. And almost mm-hmm. the white lips, they're not going to tolerate that crap. If she can push him around, she's gonna. So you need to have, you know, both my gold face white lips are pretty close in size, boy and girl. The only way okay. I know the difference between the two is when I open the cage, one runs away from me. That's the boy. One comes at me. That's the girl. So, you know, that's pretty much how we figure that out. 
So cool. Yeah. It's always exciting trying to figure out these new, uh, new species and, you know, it always makes, uh, for exciting times for sure. Um, well, I mean, we're doing this now and we're talking about new species and exciting times like now. It, it, next year, I might be trying roughies, and you best believe I'm not going to give a shit about. I might not even pair anything else. Like I might just be like breed. Like you know, that's that that that, that might be what kills me. So <laughs> yeah, you were saying you were going to do just rough scales and big colubrids, and I rough was like, well, at least, at least you fuck have, everything else. You know, I still have Morelia. <laughs> yeah, I can still host the show. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Very cool. Um, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I don't know. I see, uh, I, I see some of the cool. I'm telling you, you gotta, you gotta check out Dan, Dan's video with his Batias. Mm. Um, holy shit, man! You want to talk about a big, cool colubrid? Yeah. Oh, man. They're cool. I have things. to, I have to, I have to behave myself. Like I have to, you, you and Rob Stone and a few other people keep telling me about all these cool colubrids and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, that'd be awesome. Or, you know, you're like, Oh, watch Dan's video. I'm like, no, cause then I'm going to want to buy things. So, yes, um, that, that is true. Oh, <laughs> oh. And we're talking about the, the red, the, the red tail greens. Um, I fed them the other day and I, and I fed the female and then I fed the boy. So the female ate her, you know, rat down quick. The male is hanging out of the cage and he's got the mouse like by its head and then he mm-hmm. just freezes and he just stops. And I'm like, all right. And every time I move, he looks like he's going to drop it. So I stop and I stop moving. I stop breathing. I just sit still. 15 mm-hmm. minutes later, <laughs> literally 15 minutes later, he's still hanging there with the mouse in his mouth. And I'm like, all right, this is getting really annoying. And then he oh, finally boy. starts eating it. So I'm like, all right, maybe big colubrids are stupid. So there's that, you right. know, but it, it, it's the cool kind of stuff. These are the things that I'm just finding interesting. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I can see why you do, you know, they're, they're, you know, having stuff like that is definitely, uh, it's way different than pythons, you know, I mean, exactly. Like, yeah. Something different. So it's always something different and who knows, they might breed, now they're adult animals. So hell, if I know, if I get eggs out of them, I'll be like, all right, awesome. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, to close out the uh, show, the one thing I was going to, that I had on the list to talk about was uh, setting up babies and uh, mm-hmm. I'll just run through, uh, you know, what I do. And then I guess you can, you know, chime in if you do the same or whatever. But, um, yeah. So basically what I do is I wait for, for an egg to pip. Um, you know, I've been going back and forth on whether or not it's, you should cut or you shouldn't cut. You know, I, yeah. I mean, some, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, I would say 90% of the time that I do, I do, you know, once one pips, I usually see a, like at least three, four pip at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of, if I, if I just see one, I kind of, I kind of hold off. Um, yeah, I'd wait. If it's just one, I usually wait. Like it usually if I, if I ever see one animal pipping, it's because I went downstairs and I did my rounds in the morning before I leave for work 
and I saw a nose popping out of an egg. And yeah. a lot of times with that, I will literally just close the egg box and walk away. Cause when I come home from work, there's like eight or nine with their heads out. So like that's yeah. less for me to do. And one thing that I did and I made the mistake of doing this, and this was, uh, I don't know, maybe 2015 or something like that. Maybe it was 2016, but I, um, <clears throat> I went and, um, I saw a bunch pipping out of the egg and I mm. actually, I didn't cut them, but what had happened for some reason, the, the one baby, which was very, very nice, um, just decided to take off out of the egg and it wasn't ready to come out of the egg and it actually ended up dying. So yeah, towards umbilicus and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So a tip that Rob told me was, um, just lay a uh, damp paper towel over top of the eggs. Um, and it'll mm-hmm. kind of make them feel a little more secure. I guess it kind of keeps them from running out. <clears throat> I guess if they see some big, uh, primate trying to, uh, rip them out of an egg or cut an egg their instinct is to flee um and that would kind of chill them out i guess i don't know but uh that's kind of something that i do i i don't think you know in all the years that i've bred i've only had that happen once but once you have something like that happen once then you sort of adopt these little these little uh things that people are like, why the hell do you do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's well, one of my, why the hell do you do that thing? And, and it's funny because like, I actually have a box of like cornstarch down in my snake room uh, for that exact purpose. Cause I had a baby once come flying out of the egg and rip his thing. And he was bleeding. I thought way too much for a little baby snake. So uh, cornstarch is one of those things that you can like use as almost like clotting powder. And it's okay. not going to really affect the baby. It's just going to be kind of covered in cornstarch around where its belly button's going to be. And okay. uh, yeah, and I've done that before. And um, I had that happen like once or twice. And babies turned out fine. That's good to know. But yeah, I'll have to get a box of cornstarch. <laughs> Don't um, worry. I hear I hear you have a connection at a supermarket. I'm pretty sure you can find some. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Could probably get it on sale too. Um, oh god damn it! <laughs> <laughs> so when uh, I actually learned this tip from you is like I mm. sex, and now we're talking carpet pythons now. But yes. um, when they come out of the egg, that's when I sex immediately. Um, immediately. Yep. Uh, I, I divide them up, um, and the way that I my system that I use is a uh, blue sticker is for a male. A red sticker is for a female. And I kind of took you, that from Matt. Do you separate completely? Like, are we talking like sex the baby, baby gets its own bin, there it goes? When everyone is out of the egg, that's yes. when I pull them and separate them all. Okay. Until then, I leave them in the egg box. I'll do differently because what I'll do is um, I will pull, because I've heard too many stories of babies getting into the substrate and somehow like drowning or dying mm-hmm. in perlite. So I hate that. Um, and it's usually always one little bastard that goes underneath and is squirming around the perlite and I got to go get him. But um, I will pull the baby out after it's hatched or whatever, and I'll pop it. And then I usually have uh, four bins set aside with damp paper towel, a shallow water dish and a hide. And it's two of them are labeled male and two of them are labeled female. And then I'll start putting uh, boys and girls 
they're separated. So like you say, if it's a Jag clutch, all the Jag females go in one bin, all the normal females go in another bin. Uh, up until a point where if I think there's too many in one bin, I'll open up a third bin or something like that. And then I'll do the same thing for the males. This way, everybody's separated and that's where they at. They usually stay like that on the damp paper towel with their siblings or like, you know, uh, for like two, two days max. Mm -hmm. And then I'll separate them out because I don't want to leave them in there because I want to know, I want to make sure that I catch everybody when they're going to shed because I want to know who has shed and who hasn't. So yeah, usually a day or two together in the damp paper towel and then they're all separated out. That's when they get their numbers. That's when they get their cards. That's when they get their own little cage. That's when they get their assigned water bowl and hide box. And that's theirs until they get the hell out of here or until they outgrow it. And then there you go. So that's where they're at. So I'm curious um, with your coding system, like what's your strategy for coding animals? It's the uh, parents initials. Cause that's why everything at my place has a goddamn name. Um, unless I do, uh, unless I do a breeding loan with you, then it's mm-hmm. the, and then it's like some, sometimes yours have names and sometimes like they don't. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's the name of the parent that belongs to me followed mm-hmm. by like your initials. So it'll be like, you know, uh, R E B. And then it's the year they were born, uh, whether it's a male and a female, male or female, and then their number like male one of the clutch. And then I usually do that all the way down. And then it's female start at like number 15 or 16, depending on how many boys there were. So that's what I do this way. Even with repeat pairings, the numbers are never the same. Uh, Cause it's like, I have this one from last year, but then I have these ones from this year. So it works out that way. Yeah, I've tweaked back and forth with different ways that I've done it. And I think mm. the one that I like the the best is what I do is um, I do uh, basically I number. So if you go to, if you would go on my website, you look at my breeding diaries, like each pairing has a number, right? And right. I, wh- what I do is they have a number, but then uh, like if they actually lay eggs, then it's a legit, that becomes the number. So like if this, even though this uh, clutch was, number two and they didn't lay eggs and clutch number three laid eggs, then clutch number three becomes clutch number two, if that makes sense. So I use that number as to tell me what clutch it is. That way I, like I tried the name thing and I tried, like I tried using abbreviations (laughs) as far as like what the morph was or like coast, you know what I mean? And it was just, I don't know. Just now this is much easier. I've one, two, three, four, five, six. Right. And then each baby gets a number. So you would be clutch number one, baby number one, um, what the sex is, and then the year. So that way, right. the, the reason I put the year is because just like you're saying, that it never repeats that number. So that last number will always be, will be different. And that's kind of how I set it up, um, you know, going, going forward. Well, seems to be the ours best are way. For pretty that. much. Ours are pretty much the same way because it's like, you know, I just substitute the names for pairing because it's like uh, TT is Trinity Talon. You know, that's just how it worked out. And it's usually the mother's initial is first because I have to do that. And sometimes 
because of the names I have to put certain animals have like a breeding abbreviation for their name. And some of them, because I have too many animals that have the name that begin with like an R or something stupid. Some of them have to be R O R U, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I could get into, you know, I, I always, I always go back and forth with, I think it's such a great idea to name your snakes, you know, and I do have <laughs> certain snakes that are named and it's like, okay, everybody knows poison ivy. Everybody knows yes. Molly Ringwald and like yes. all these, all these ones that I have V and, you know, yes, but it's like, I don't know, man. It's just, I don't just, I, there's just too many snakes to name. And Dude, it's, like, it's oh, finally <laughs> gotten to the point where I can't keep their names straight, like in my own collection. Yeah. Like it's gotten to that point now where I can't do it. Now it's not anything important. I, for the life of me, can never remember what the hell I named my second lavender albino cow king female. I cannot. And I keep messing it up every time I do like a breeding journal. And then I go downstairs. And I'm like, oh. That's your name. What the <laughs> hell did I write? It's like, you know, there's right. that. So that keeps happening. So I figure if I mess up one Cal King, I'm doing okay. So also, yeah. I've, I, I would never be able to come up with any of these names. So a lot of times I will literally take a picture of a brand new snake. And I have about three or four friends that I will text and be like, this thing needs a name. And then somebody who's either reading some book, having watched some movie, having done something will spit out a name and I'll be like done and I'll write it down and that's it. You know, I very rarely come up with names on myself anymore. So, yeah, I tried looking at like, uh, I read a post somewhere like people were trying to figure out a name or something to to name our snake. And uh, somebody had recommended going and looking at uh, a map of anywhere and just like pick the names of the small towns. I went as far as like to try to pick the names of streets in Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Just like random shit, you know, it's just well, like, uh, well, we used street. to do, what we used to do at college is what, um, cause they would always breed the horses every year at, at the school is uh-huh. they would literally announce the theme for the year. So uh-huh. every foal born at the college at that year had to have this theme for the name and i've kind of adopted that where it's like every year all my holdbacks are going to have this theme name or i've also decided that all right animals coming from this line of animals are going to have this kind of theme name or kind of link it back to their parents in certain ways so you know uh and it, it, it kind of makes it a little bit easier, and that's the way they kind of name thoroughbred horse horses and stuff too. Is they tend to take mom's name, dad's name, and kind of combine it in a weird, stupid way. And I've kind of been doing the same thing, where it's like Trinity and Talon had Echo, and his name was Echo because he looked just like his dad. And Echo's son is Soundwave because Soundwave is kind of like an Echo. So it's like, yeah, it's all that kind of crap. So yeah, it's back and forth. it's definitely. From the marketing standpoint, I find that it's definitely uh, it's definitely a good way to go. And I think taking a page out of the Chondro Keepers books, they seem to do that well. Because, you know, if I were like Molly Ringwald, sounds much better than RT. RT. RT12. Like, you know, RT12F. No. <laughs> RTF12. Yeah. You know what I mean? It sounds like a droid from Star Wars is, is or that, something. The, the thing is that when you, when you, when you have the names, you, it's much easier to establish some kind of a line. 
you know, Delia Scattershot. Mm -hmm. Those are two animals. Like, you know, that's how that works. MBB. Do you know there are some people who don't even know that MBB actually means Madam Blueberry, which is an animal. That's how these lines (laughs) start. So it's like putting names on animals is so that if any point during my breeding career, something freaking happens and I end up establishing a line, I don't have to name anything. It's there it is, you know, done. I'll name it after their mother. I don't care. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things I've always went back and forth with, but I just I'm just chose to go. Yeah, chose to go the the direction of really not naming too much. You know, like most of my males usually have Mm. names, like, and I usually name them after guitar players. Like I have Beck, and yeah, uh, you know, naming uh, boys is easy. (laughs) <laughs> SRV, Satch, Vi, you know, all these like different uh yep. you know, guitar players and you know, it's just like, oh okay, that's that's easy, but it's always the girls. It's like, oh man. Exactly. Like, oh. Naming boys always, is so easy, but naming girls is hard. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I always think like I think like, wow, you know, as much as a stupid name is like Madame Blueberry, like where did it come from? But like I think if I would have named up that name, people would be like, "That's the stupidest, stupidest name ever." Name. Like, I'm pretty sure come people said it was dumb. I mean, right? What is it? It's Madame Blueberry and Benjamin. Like, yeah. you know, those were the two snakes that everyone gave a shit about at the time, and it's like Madame Blueberry and Benjamin. Like, <laughs> so weird, man. <laughs> no, it is, and that's just how it falls. You know, for all I know. You know, the one snake that's going to pop out the thing and become the line is the one that I can never remember its freaking name. Like, you know, right. that's just going to have to be how it goes. You know, and some of the Chondro guys, uh, keepers, girls, guys, whatever, um, they sort of do, uh, they do have numbers and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like they'll be able to tell you, like, uh, you know, XL275397. That's like, insanity. Oh, right. my God, that's like the greatest snake ever. Like, what? huh? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I don't want to get that far. I don't want to get into the weeds like that. So, well, that's what know. I feel like. I feel if I go the direction that I'm going, where I'm going 0101 M18, people are going to be like, yeah, did you ever see 0101 M18? And they're, <laughs> and it's like, I know, I, I know. It's so it's, much it's cooler tough. if it was called like, you know, I don't know. Well, well that's the thing is. <laughs> That's the thing is it's just like, you know, also I, I feel it kind of also helps some of my non-reptile friends be kind of, I guess, a little bit more at ease with my collection when they come over and visit. When I point right. to every single cage and I start rattling off names. If I'm right. like, you know, that's Carpet Python 4. She's a nice one. It's like that. No, it's like I point <laughs> and I'm like, there's Trinity. There's Venus. There's Scarlet. Right. There's Dakota. It's like, you know, you go through the lines like that. So it kind of helps with that. And it also helps me feel a little bit better about there being that many animals. Did I tell you I counted recently how many there are? Yes. Yeah. Mm, that was a mistake. <laughs> That's always bad. Don't the ever last do carpet that. Fest, somebody counted mine and they put it on yeah. my board. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Don't, so. no one should ever reveal the numbers. Like, you know, they, yeah. if somebody came into my room and counted for me. I'd punch them. Cause I don't want to know. <laughs> I you feel know, so much dirtier when... I feel uh, more angry now. It's like, wait, <laughs> there's that many? 
and I'm making yeah. more. It's like, yeah, there's, yeah, that's no. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, the only other thing that I would throw out there that I do as far as setting babies up is um, I try to take picks and this is just for me, not really for anything mm. else. It's like, this helps me develop an eye for holdbacks. I like to take mm-hmm. a pick pre-shed, post-shed, and then six months. And then if I still have the animal, which typically I do, a year from now, I take another picture. And just sort right. of like compare to see what the progression, you know, I'm looking for, did the color pop? The, you know, how did this pattern turn out? You know, whatever the case would be. Um, that's kind of what I kind of what I look at. But um, again, that's just for me personally i like to try to take a picture of you know any kind of like at least one lock per Mm. pairing i like to take a picture of the female about to lay and the female on eggs again just for me for my records or whatever yeah i don't know if that's really a a big deal i've never had anybody say send me a picture of them locked up or you know i want to see the female on eggs let me put it this way, because we, we breed carpet pythons. That's why. If I oh. showed up with a bunch of baby white lips, people are going to want to see locks, mom on eggs. Like, I might even have to put today's newspaper and my face in the picture with her on her eggs, you know, to be able <laughs> to be like, these are captive born and bred. Like, you know, that's, right. that's just the kind of way it's going to go. But you need to be prepared for that if you're doing something that's a little bit on the rarer side. People may want that. Yeah, so I just try to get myself in the habit exactly for that reason. Yeah, just document, you know, just, document, document. This is what I got, and you know, I, I've gone. We've talked about this too. It's like I, I kind of wait at least two weeks for mm-hmm. them to even offer food. I don't even mess around with trying to feed them before that. Um, no, I agree. And I go live right out the gate. Um, I just that's found what you and I differ take, again. Yeah, I kind of I've I've messed around with frozen thawed, and I only mm. do it for like three feedings. Um, I try to do hoppers or fuzzies or something like like right in between that hopper fuzzy stage. You know what I mean? It's not like a, a but that's where I just where they kind of pop like popcorn, like they're jumping yeah. all around. I think that that stimulates the uh, carpet to go. Um, I had a hell of a time and I've talked about this before is like when I got that out and those albinos, I just had a hell of a time getting mm. them to go and, um, tried all the tricks and it just seemed that that worked the best. So I'm like, why am I even messing around with this? I'm just going to do this three times. I know I just, you know, I got the girl that Matt goes to and just say, Hey, get me, uh, you know, 20 hoppers and I, you know, do it that way. Um, and then what I do, just this is just for me, I put a green sticker on a tub. And again, I, I kind of took that from Matt. I kind of, I don't know if he does it exactly that way, but that's kind of how I do it. Um, I just mm. put the green sticker on anything that's eaten. Um, that way I know like, okay, that ate, that ate, that ate, that. So I can just kind of look at the rack and just kind of get a feel for, you know, how are things progressing and, um, I don't know. I think the next question I would ask you is like, when do you think it's good to sell? Like, when do you feel confident that that animal is, is established? 10 feet. You could 10. Okay. You should in a row. 10. Yep. Without refusal. Right. 
Yes. I mean, I think that's the thing that people, yeah, that people kind of like sometimes get mixed up. They're like, yeah, it ate 10 times, but it didn't eat every time you offered food 10 times in a row. Yeah. And you know what? Right. That's what I'm shooting for 10 in a row. And here's the thing is like, I do frozen thawed. Um, and I have a cage card that actually breaks down dates and times. Right. So I can write down, uh, when they ate, uh, and I usually will, I'll try to keep track of their food intake, usually for about their first year of right. life. Like right now I have babies from last year. I'm not writing on their cards anymore. They've been eating steady for a year. They're fine. Like, I'd, right. eh, you know, whatever. Um, but when it comes to little guys, I will try to keep on that. Don't have for a couple of years written down. Um, right. You know, and I'll offer the ones that will take frozen thawed, cool, done, roll with it. But there is usually one or two that's a holdout for either live or, you know, uh, I think last this year I had a really nice looking caramel that was not wanting to do live, not wanting to do frozen. Ended up actually taking a uh, the head that I pulled off of one of the chicks that I was feeding the colubrids. So okay. it was eating frozen thawed chick heads for probably almost its first year of life. And then uh-huh. it, I offered it a, a, a small mouse and it took that. And now it's been on mice. So sometimes they're just tricky ones like that. So, yeah. but yeah, after 10 meals consistently, no refusals, that's it. They're ready to roll. Um, I've even had animals that have taken the 10 meals uh, and like never looked back, like kept going and kept eating. And then comparing them to their sibling that it was, maybe was reluctant or took breaks between like, you know, ate three meals and then skipped two and they ate three meals again, looking at the two of them side by side, it is such a noticeable difference after maybe two, three months of Mm -hmm. where the one that has been consistently eating, no problem, like through sheds every time offered. And the one that's sporadic, like that one, it it almost looks like they're from two different clutches, two different years. If you look at it, it's insane. So, right. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Then they're yeah, ready to I mean, go get packed up to go to a show, and then it's always <laughs> terrifying for me taking a new clutch to a show the week after when it's time to feed. I'm like, oh god, please just eat, just please eat. <laughs> they do, right? You know, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, I think like. You know, it, I, well, I only usually do the one show, so by the time I'm headed out to Tinley, I, I don't. There's usually very well established, and don't have to yes. worry about that. But I, I get what you're saying. It's like if you were going to a show, like you know, even if it was once a quarter, you're like, oh my god, if I go, I could screw this all up, and then they won't yeah. eat or whatever. You know, that's but, it's uh, kind of why what I usually do is like uh, like Hamburg is the end of the month, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna feed. Friday, this Friday coming mm-hmm. up, all the little guys, and then I'm going to leave them alone. So yeah. they're not going to eat all next week because I want them to be emptied out. I want them to be okay for the whole travel thing. And then I probably won't get around to feeding them until probably the Wednesday after the show. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're all going to be like ravenous. So it's kind of like I want them to be nice and hungry. So they'll be like, I'm stressed out, but you know what? Give me that mouse. So, yeah, that's what right. I want. Okay. So, and then you and I got to talk because uh, I might not be able to make it to October Tinley this year. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can blame my brother. He's getting married. So it's kind of important. Kind of important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that my mother told me I could not miss under penalty of death. So yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah, if you if you <laughs> why aren't you at your brother's wedding? I'm at a snake show. I'm at a snake <laughs> show. She'd fly to Chicago. I that mean, might not go over well. She'd come get me. So yeah, let's yeah. not do that. So all right, okay. Um yeah, I and then for people that want to check out, you know, I know we're cut off now or whatever and yeah. We'll wrap it up, but um I will throw out uh when I do the show notes, which I might not be able to get till to tomorrow morning, but um when I do the show notes, I definitely will put in the link to the YouTube video I did on setting up babies. Um, just my approach of actually setting up their tub, how I do that. Mm. Um, that'll give you some ideas on, uh, on how, how I do it, how I approach it. It's pretty straightforward. Um, but, uh, still, still something that you can, uh, check out and reflect on and, uh, you know, come up with what works for you. I mean, that's kind of what I think Owen did and what I did is like, you take these little tidbits from people and you kind of adapt it into your own uh, way of doing things. I think at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you know, babies of any type of snake or anything is a lot of work and you want to do something that makes it as efficient as possible. And, you know, people that, you know, they want to take all these great notes and experiment and da, 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 and be able to have all this data. It's all great and good, but if you're not taking the data consistently, it kind of defeats the purpose. So you got to figure out yeah. like what's important to you and, you know, figure out how you're going to record that, you know, whether it be on a index card, uh, in a copy book on Reptiscan or, you know, app that you choose or whatever, you know, there's a bunch of different tracking apps out there. Um, you know, uh, anyways is great as long as you do it. I mean, I know some people that they just, they just kind of like uh, put little stickers on the tub and they mark up the sticker. And then when you get the snake, you get the sticker and you know, that's, that's, we'll show you how, what it's ate and when. So, you know, mm. again, whatever, whatever works for you um, is, uh, is the way to go. But uh, you know, just kind of look and see what people do and uh, you know, develop your own system. So that would be my, my best advice. Uh, yeah, for for setting up babies. So, all right, I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap it up, call it a show. Um, next week we have Ari coming on. Uh, cool. He's returned from uh, from uh, Indonesia, and he's going to tell us all about it. Um, That's awesome. I love those his, shows. Yeah. Yeah his his book is. Uh, is I think it's off getting printed as we speak. So oh my god, <laughs> we're about to be bombarded with uh, some uh, some awesome uh, literature when it comes to to herp related uh, books and all. We got uh, Pythons of the World Volume Three, Ari's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's some pretty uh, pretty cool stuff if you're into uh, into pythons and such. But um, yeah, I always like talking to Ari. Um, uh, he has uh, some great stories, I'm sure. It looks like he lost about 20 pounds. Yeah, he's uh, like, I think he got sick up or there. I'm like, Jesus yeah, I don't Christ. know. 
Yeah. So uh, I, I think he posted up a picture over in his uh, Bolins group of uh, him holding a baby uh, Bolins python that was coming out of uh, out of a nest, which I yeah. guess for, for him, that must be an that's awesome feeling. That's peaked. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, it should be a good conversation and, and, and good show next week. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, our website is MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Our email is info at Morelia Python Radio. Uh, we are nominated again for the radio show of the year. Uh, so if you like what we do, I would uh, ask you to uh, take a minute and uh, go over and give us a vote. I don't know if we can do three years in a row, but we'll see. Um, hmm. And uh, voting every day. Uh, so, uh, you know, Go over and show some love. I think I think it's pretty cool what they do. Those guys do to try to show definitely uh, try, try to give people that that work hard uh, in in the uh, hobby um, some kudos. And it's always it's always good. No matter no matter who you are, or how humble you are, it's always good to hear somebody uh, applaud your hard work. Um, whether it's mm-hmm. photography, radio shows, videos, YouTube's, uh, you know breeding, you know, uh, whatever. It's, it's always good to hear that your, uh, hard work is appreciated. So, um, Definitely. yeah, go check it out on the reptile report. Um, and then as far as myself, EB Morelia, um, you know, EB Morelia.com, uh, now I I'm really pushing towards just putting everything now that I got this blog going, yeah, I think I might. I think I might just do it on my website, man, and just get away from Facebook altogether and just use Instagram to promote it. Um, do it. You know, I'm I'm almost like I deleted off my phone, so I'm taking baby steps. For a while, I what I did is I just pushed the podcast or the Facebook app all the way to the back, like the mm. last screen, so I had to flip through it to get to it. And right. I found myself flipping through it all the time to get to it. So now I just deleted it off altogether. And uh, it actually is pretty good because I spend more time with things that matter rather than things that don't. So definitely. Uh, as far as my email, eric at Um I'm, I, I'm doing YouTube videos, which by the way, I got to get cracking on uh, version two of uh the colubrid side. Yeah, it's open. Reptiles. It's open those floodgates again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just do it for me and you, Owen. <laughs> yeah, who gives a shit? And then you guys yeah, get to see can... the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. But uh. Yeah, I just did a video for uh, some new additions that I that I got. So check that out. And uh, I do a blog. You can check out the blog. Uh, there's a link to it right on the first front page of my um, website. Um, and, uh, you know, I just post various things there and stuff, um, about what's going on or some kind of more history or something like that. So, um, so far so good. Uh, and that's all I got. So cool. Uh, what I got is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. All the stuff we have for sale is up there. Um, also you can go and give rogue a like on facebook.com. 
all the latest stuff we have there, breeding updates, as well as pictures and babies that are for sale, will be posted on both of those. Uh, as far as shows, I have one coming up, and that's not this coming weekend, but next weekend, the 24th at in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. I have my table back, so uh, I'm going to be set up probably behind Matt Minnetola once again. Uh, I'll be bringing a bunch of the animals uh, as well as some cool stuff. Uh, definitely stop by. We'd love to talk to you guys there. And that's all I got. And that's all we got for you guys tonight. So what we'll say is thank you all for listening. And we're going to catch you all back here for some more Morelia Python radio.